got to watch The Squid and the Whale. That's what, that's, <laughs> that's what that movie's about. That movie's also an old Baumbach movie, and it's about divorce, uh, but from the kid's perspective. Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And I worked out why it's in that movie. It was because there's an indie band called Noah and the Whale. Right. Um, they do that song that's like, well, in five years' time, I'll be walking around the zoo with the sun shining down over me and you. I don't think I've ever heard And there'll before. be sun in the love of the elephants too. And I'll put my hand over your eyes and you'll peep through. Sun, sun, sun. I, yep, still think I've never heard it, despite your best efforts. <laughs> They're called Noah and the Whale. Yep, I've heard and of the band. interview on Triple J or something. Right, and that was where they and named it. Like, where'd you from. get the name? And they yeah. were like, oh, there's Bob this non Baumbach movie called yep. The Squid and the Whale. Yep. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Noah Baumbach. You ever felt like you're one step ahead of the person that's <laughs> yeah. telling you the story? <laughs> never. <laughs> 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 Start the episode. <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I just dropped my pen. Hang on. <laughs> I'm Andrew. <laughs> Didn't even have to try and it comes out dumb. <laughs> Welcome to Beef Station. That's not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> this is, of course, our weekly-ish movie podcast. We're, we're doing our best. Every week, we uh, every, every episode, we uh, cover a new release. Once a week, we feel guilty about not having done an episode this week. <laughs> every time we release an episode, we cover a new release, an old classic or something strange in between. Come with you a bit of news and some other oddball segments. Every now and again. Which there may or may not be this week. We'll figure Let's it out. Let's find out. Flying during the course of the episode. By the seat of our pants. Uh, proverb- proverbially flying by the literal seat of our pants. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Because we are wearing pants, but we're not flying. Yes. Right. And those pants do have a seat. I'm not wearing arseless chaps. <laughs> That's why it feels so different this week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, famously, every other episode, you might be able to hear it in the audio quality, but every other app we've recorded, we're wearing what's arseless that, chaps. What's that faint slapping noise? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. That's that's me running away. <laughs> <laughs> Recording this on a leather couch, I've always objected to, but today I've decided to oh, yeah. finally come together. This marriage week, story. <laughs> we are doing Marriage Story, Noah Baumbach's latest film. So, we did uh, the Mayowitz stories very recently. Was it the last episode? Might have literally been last episode. Mm. I don't remember. So we thought we were going to do Knives Out, but... I haven't uh, had a chance to see it yet. I yeah. was uh, escaping from bushfires up in Nui, uh, yeah. and I'll try and watch it this weekend. So, hopefully, Knives Out next episode. Hopefully. Hopefully. I'm not promising anything in the meantime, to your little piggies. <laughs> in the meantime, though, I'm pretty sure this is a back-to-back Noah Baumbach spec Baumbach back to Baumbach. <laughs> it's better than spec Baum to back. Now, spec is pretty fucking, <laughs> pretty fucking great. Yes. And what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Just checking. Oh, no, we did Van Helsing. Oh, we didn't right. yeah, 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 yeah. We have yeah. we've okay, broken sure. it up. So there's one one week in between, but yeah. So I didn't realize when uh, we so watched Squid and the Whale after Knives <laughs> Out. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that when we watched 
uh, Meyerowitz stories that he had another one coming out so soon. And then I started reading all the shit about Marriage Story on Twitter. And uh, like, this is nothing like Meyerowitz stories. I didn't even stories. realize that it was his. I mean, yeah, it makes right. sense. It's like quite, you know, I guess there's a sort of shared thread of like the human experience there. Well, but I thought it was yeah. weird as well but that he'd come up with films so quickly because I feel like Meyerowitz stories is really recent. Um, yeah, I think so. And I was watching a whole bunch of interviews uh, about this movie this week. And I noticed there was some interview where Adam Driver said, like, oh, I've done four movies with Noel Baumbach. And yeah, I thought, like, and I the like, fuck? Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Adam Driver's only been working for, like, a couple of years. Yeah, he's done two movies. One of them was Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, but, no, Noel Baumbach's released, like, a movie every couple of years pretty consistently now. Yeah. This is his new one. Feels very different to Meyerowitz stories. I yeah. think in a lot of ways it's similar. In a lot of the ways it's got a bit of a different kind of tone to it. Mm. But we'll talk about that later in the episode. For the moment, we've got a little got bit a of fucking wait. <laughs> a little bit of news and special features hitting up at the top of the episode. Mostly news, less special features. Ready, boy? The special features are us. <laughs> <coughs> yes, I'm ready. Fucking hell, my percussion is really speeding up on that one. Jesus. Where's an 808 when you need one? Was I rushing? That's a drum machine. Sorry. I know, it's a drum machine. You're a dumb machine. Fucking beef bulletin. Got him. Got a couple trailers that got released in the last couple weeks since we've been recording. Mm-hmm. Did you know that they are doing a live-action Mulan movie now? No. Surprise. <laughs> I didn't know that. Doing a live-action Mulan movie. Trailer's released for that. I haven't bothered to watch it. It's coming it's, out next year. Scarlett Johansson playing the main character. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson is playing the complete Chinese militia, actually. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson is deep-faked under every character. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, no. Uh, the No Time to Die trailer was released. In, they they did a teaser trailer that was like, tomorrow, the trailer. Like, well, did, just just release the trailer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you mean there's a teaser for a trailer coming out tomorrow? Uh, Whatever. The trailer know. came out. looks exciting. I'm going to watch this movie. I think it'll be good. I hope it'll be good. Yep. I'm excited to see how they make Daniel Craig look because my man looks tired. Oh, he's looking. He looks fucked. very tired. But like a lot, I think Sean Connery was getting pretty old by the time he finished. I don't mean on Bond. old. I mean tired. Like <laughs> you know where he said he'd rather kill himself than do another one of these movies, like, and they oh. said, "Well, we've got enough money that we know that that will not be your final answer." But and he just went, yeah. "All right, all right, you got me." This fucking movie that it still doesn't come out until April mm. or something ridiculous. Um. Have we done an episode since the Star Wars trailers come out? That Star I, Wars trailers come out. The one where they're riding on the floating thing. And oh, I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't very good. It, it was, was heaps it was of like, um, so that's a thing <laughs> dialogue. <laughs> like like, the, that Joss Whedon it's dialogue. It's fucking Star Wars. Yeah. They're in another galaxy. They don't have like... They don't have Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like 2016 <laughs> Earth idiosyncrasies, you fucking morons. Oh, God. So how's this? Uh, speaking of trailers and special releases and movie advertising, article from NME here. A scene from Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker will be premiering in Fortnite next week. Yeah, I actually saw that. Um, so there's like, for those of you who don't know, because <laughs> like, like, like the fuck this is story, this story is baffling, right? Okay, so <laughs> if you haven't played Fortnite, this is very difficult to understand. But basically, 
Um, Fortnite is played is a video game where every single round you play, you play on the same map. And one part of that map, there is an open air cinema, oh, like yeah, a drive-in cinema. And so what they're actually literally doing... An exclusive clip of the upcoming film will be yep. playing within Fortnite's yeah, yeah. Risky Reels drive-in theatre. Yep, it's probably being like fully rendered PM. on the screen and you just drop in. And as long as you're watching that screen at that time... The clip will be there. That's ludicrous. Which I hope. Could you be shot and killed and then? Well, that's what I love, and then you don't get to watch the rest of the clip. Like that would be wonderful. Walk in last and just like inglorious bastard style, just gun down the whole cinema and everyone misses it. I would absolutely love that. That would be some of the most like prime, <laughs> prime video game griefing in the last decade. But does that also mean sure. that there's a maximum? That there's only a hundred players in every round of thingo, isn't there? Oh, I yep. suppose there can be, like, heaps of servers of this match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's what I'm kind of wondering. Like, does that mean you have to drop in at a certain point in time? Yeah. Because, like... I don't know. Yeah, it says 7 o'clock. Yeah, but then... Because, like, the way that it works is every round lasts, like, I don't know, 15, 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. But it means that you've got to, like... Everyone's going to be trying to drop at, like... 650? It's just going to be really weird. Like, <laughs> gonna be, but it's gonna and be, are they disabling... Is it a special server? Or are they disabling all no. weapons? Or can you still, like, get killed? That would or, rock. I don't know what the fuck... That fu- would absolutely I just rock. don't know how they're going to do it. Because it's like it's a shooter. Really you were saying weird. it's a video game where you, yeah. you shoot each other so you and you kill you drop in with nothing and you scavenge all of your weapons and gear. So everyone starts on a level playing field. But it's not like Call out. of Duty. You can, yeah. you can and be then killed and you're out of the game. You're fully out. You're fully out. And all you can do... You can't, like, float around the map. So it's not like you could just like go to a different camera perspective and just watch the clip you have to follow a player around so if that player isn't watching the clip then you don't get to see it at all that's so wild it's very very this is one of the strangest and most like dystopian promos i've ever seen yeah right it's absolutely bizarre yeah it's really weird just like, what the fuck is happening extremely extremely strange and, like, I know that Disney... So, Fortnite had, like, Marvel crossovers and stuff. So, that they had um, they had a promo before Infinity War came out where, like, yeah. it was, like, an item where you could collect the Thanos glove and then... Or, like, one person spawned as Thanos. And so, the entire yeah, rest no, of the I server had that. to, yeah, like, yeah. try and kill him. Which is an interesting idea, but it's rooted in the gameplay. It's not just, like, some weird second lifestyle thing where you can, like, go to a place in the map and watch a fucking <laughs> It's like a special clip. mode. It's bizarre. I think that's, a really, co- I think that's really cool. In, it's kind of cool, like, but it'd be like, it would be like if, like, in Rocket League, which is a game about playing soccer with cars, instead of the scoreboard at 7 p.m., they just ran this trailer, and it's like... <laughs> yeah. Does everyone just have to like World War Two style stop playing soccer <laughs> yeah, no, and watch it weird. for four minutes? Or like, is it that <laughs> if you're not watching it, they, your opponent could just fucking run rings around God, you and do shit? Great. It's very, it's really weird. I don't know how it's gonna work. I'm kind of interested, well, but also fuck off. We'll find out. Um, I thought this is interesting. We're coming towards the end of the year, and enemy. I'm gonna stay on just milk and enemy for all it's worth. Yeah, great. Um, they have a list of the top ten highest grossing movies of 2019. Yep. All I right. thought we'd run through them quickly. Sounds good. Um, Eight Marvel films. What are the rest? Interestingly, number 10 is a film called Nija, which is a Chinese yeah, that always animated ends up making combat film or something. Chinese films always end up making their way into these lists. Ma- like made, they've just got enough of an economy yeah. around it. It made like $700 million yep. in China and about $3 million in the US. That's crazy. Frozen 2... Uh, is still going. I'm working my way up the list here, so we're getting to more. Oh, prof- so that was number profit- that, that was, was number, number 10. ten. Okay, right. Working yep. way up. Frozen, Frozen two. two. Did you? You didn't see that, did you? What Frozen two? Yeah, I haven't seen Frozen one. 
Oh, okay. I've watched it and it's... You've seen Frozen 2? I've seen Frozen 1. Right. Frozen 1, I think, is maybe one of the most overrated Disney movies ever in history. They haven't done I many. Think it's certainly the most overrated um, Pixar film. They haven't done many. It's not a Pixar film, I don't think. They haven't I done. It was. No, it's not. They haven't done many musical animated Disney films recently. Right. So maybe it's just that those have always been popular with younger people. Yeah, and this and is the only one of their generation uh, kind of thing. I'll say like I, I'm glad that it has like two female protagonists that aren't sort of like purely rooted in being damsels in distress. Like I think it's doing good pro-social work. Yeah. Uh, pro-social work. Yeah. But. Uh, in terms of just like storyline and namely like keeping the adults that are watching it interested, which yeah. Disney films have usually been really good at. Not um, so much. Awful. Just yeah, right, boring. Okay. So well, boring. Might have to go in then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, eight, uh, number eight is Hobbs and Shaw. Yep. Joker. It's the first movie on this list that's made over a billion dollars worldwide. Okay. Still in cinemas I mean, as well, according to this list. So that's got to be... Now, this list is the highest grossing, not yeah. the most profitable, right? Because Joker yeah, would have so, to yeah. be like close to the most profitable. Yeah, it's made a billion dollars. It costs like it only, 60 million. Yeah it's, yeah, it's probably almost made a billion dollars profit. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, Aladdin. Uh, obviously, from the live now, action. The live action Disney one. Version, obviously, yeah. now these have all made over a billion. Okay. Toy Story 4, Captain Marvel. <laughs> Just casually, like... Now, obviously, all of the rest of these yeah, like literally, five yeah. films have made yeah. over a billion dollars yeah uh, disney's still not paying any tax (laughs) toy story 4 captain marvel spider-man far from home yep uh spider-man far from home is at 1.1 billion jumps straight up to 1.6 billion fuck for the lion king and then avengers i hate that that made that much money worldwide avengers has almost cleared three billion dollars that is gen (laughs) i i feel so much less bad about that than i do about i mean like Homeless people are dying, but like I feel much less bad about the fact that Infinity War made that much money because at least, at least they had to come up with some sort of new storyline yeah. to make Infinity War. Yeah, like The Lion King is just, just a, like just a remake. It's of like, hey, do you just want to re refilm that thing? Yeah, and it yeah, just Lewis. made a billion dollars. Probably animation's amazing, but still like crazy. Fucking the animation's ugh. not good. It's not good. Like it's just <laughs> it's it just looks like yeah. But it's it just looks like a documentary yeah. where lions are doing. Sh- it's it. I think that's terrible. Yeah. It has the least personality. It would be like if you. If if I wanted to see realistic looking regicide and watch Hamlet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just think if you like. Oh shit! Is the Lion King just a retelling of Hamlet? Uh, I think it is literally based on that. Yeah. That's even. That's yeah. It's even more of a hack oh. job. We're getting to the the the, the bedrock. <laughs> yeah. At least there's no other animated line. Anytime anyone tells you like, off. "Hey, hips people worked on these movies," and like, um, Disney does a lot of like, what? Fuck Disney! They <laughs> they ripped off every story they've ever made. <laughs> like, the except for Avengers Endgame, which we'll defend till the end of time. Well, even that is like, yeah. yeah, it's based on comic books, but yeah. at least they had to do slightly more work about it. Yeah, just yeah, just terrible. And it wasn't like I didn't even mind Avengers Endgame, you know what I mean? But the second highest grossing film was like a reskin. It fucking sucks, man. Yeah, it's weird. It eh? fucking sucks. Yeah, it yeah. sucks so bad. Speaking of Ugh. controversy. Yep. And Frozen. Yep. Article here from Cinema Blend. How tall is Frozen 2's Olaf? Fans baffled by questionable height listing. Okay. Uh says here that Slow Newsweek. if you Google no. Olaf from Frozen 2, you get told that Frozen is, uh, that Olaf is 5'4". Okay. But apparently if you watch the movie, there's no way that he's anywhere close to five feet. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Unless the 
two grown yeah. women in the story are like seven feet tall. Well, that's the controversy Which I'm assuming here, right? That they're not. Because apparently, like, oh, someone's made up. Is, like, <laughs> if Olaf is five four, like then a chart. Elsa is eleven. Uh, foot eleven two. foot tall. Yeah, I, I yeah. heavily lowballed it. <laughs> Yeah, Which so there you go. And great. we've got... Uh, Which they might be. Might be. I so mean, there's no... Like, this exists in a universe different to our own, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I like the... I actually... It makes me like it way more if they're all like... <laughs> they're all giant, perfect humans with, like, unrealistic proportions just running around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away where women are 11 feet tall. And, yes. And their heads are just... Mm-hmm. Just have the most horrifying biology. Women, completely different. Men, pretty <laughs> much the same, but bigger. <laughs> uh, it says here that uh, whilst Google has corrected the mistake, it seems like the fact was pulled straight from a sentence in the front on the frozen Wikipedia page, right? Or like the frozen fandom, like fan made. Oh, so this is a news story about like one of those wiki. Google pop up things. Yeah. It's it's news. It's okay. news. All right. Uh, Manufactured outrage. So yeah, it's uh, turns out not not everything that you read on the internet is true. No, oh. certainly not everything generated by like algorithmic processes that have no <laughs> scrutinizing ability. Uh, why it's not too late for Black Widow's solo movie, according to Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know that that's what you were uh, going to say? Uh, yeah. Apparently, uh, it's, we already, we're already supposed to know that this story takes place after Civil War, but before Infinity War. Um, uh, that's and really weird. That didn't make me care about it. Yeah, there you go. Um, she said she couldn't have made the movie 10 years ago when you first started the journey with Marvel because it's a film that's so much about the character... Uh, that's informed the whole journey of like how wise Natasha Romanoff has become by the end of the Avengers movies and there's all this complexity to the character now. Okay. So there you go. So we'll do Black Widow when that comes out. Okay. <laughs> Just do whatever you want to me. <laughs> Just fuck me up. I don't care. <laughs> I've got another article here that we could save for another time, which is National Treasure 3, a history of all the delays so far. I didn't know there was that. <laughs> so we can save that for another time, is I feel Nicolas like. Is Nicolas Cage involved? Uh, we'll never find out. I've closed okay. it. Tom Holland and Will Smith never met once across two years of filming their new animated movie, Spies in Disguise. Well, that's the thing about animated films, is that like the cast rarely ever actually interact with each other. It's really rare that they're like in the same room they'll yeah, often funny. they'll often do voice acting from like where they, they just live in completely separate states yeah yeah he said on, on jimmy kimmel recently he just met him when they were doing press like that week right he's funny. like it's crazy i've been you know i've been hearing his audio but i feel like i know him yeah 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 that is i wonder if crazy. they like included messages to each other in the audio <laughs> hey tom your turn tag out yeah 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 <laughs> like hey tom hope you're having a good day here's the audio and like, <laughs> yeah, probably not. Why would they? Um, okay, so here's another bit of Hollywood controversy. Mm. Christopher Pratt. Can you say controversy? No, I think I've made that pretty clear. Yeah. No, like, can you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christopher Pratt in this contentious <laughs> issue um, on Instagram <laughs> posted some sort of uh, 
fit pic of himself holding a single-use plastic water bottle yep. in front of some cool car or whatever. Cancelled. And Jason Momoa commented saying, I love you, bro, but what the fuck on the water bottle? No single-use plastic. Come on, bro. Yeah. He's now apologized to Chris Bratt. He oh, says, really? I'm just very passionate about the single-use plastic yeah. epidemic. So for all those of you who are worried about where Chris Pratt and Jason Momoa stand, I mean, for one, he's did, a Guardian of the Galaxy. Did, he's did, Aquaman. They're never going to meet up. because Chris separate- Pratt, like, did, was he like, my feelings were hurt? Or did like a PR team go out there and like, what, the, what made him? Oh, you know, it's, a, it's what people were worried. People worry. When you say the, uh, people are, it's like a world leader that says, "Like you know, people are saying, yeah. <laughs> who? Yeah, no, people are people are talking about it. Oh, people, people, yeah, the the royal way. Yeah, I'm confused by why I now have come across this information, bro. You know, my children and I are all madly in love with you, and I love everything you do. I'm sorry this was received so badly today. I didn't mean for that to happen. I'm just very passionate about this single-use plastic water epidemic. The plastic water bottles have to stop. I hope you make a reusable water bottle for Amazon so we can all purchase it. What? (laughs) You're an an inspiration to many, and I'm one of them. For the company, Amazon? I'll send you a case of Mananaloo. Mananaloo. All my aloha, Damamoa. All right. All right. You'll be very upset to learn that that's not the end of the news for the week. Oh. And equally upset to oh, find no, out that right. I've been sitting on the fact that... I thought you were saying that's not the end of the article. I was like, what happened? <laughs> nothing. 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 <laughs> Golden Globe 2020. Golden Globe nomination okay, right. has been yes, released. Good. And you've Finally, also got some your, real fucking news. <laughs> you've also got your fucking indie uh, yeah, so news <laughs> awards, which we can do briefly as well. Every dumbass knows what the Golden Globes are, but not everyone knows about the Gotham Awards. Those are the Batman Awards, aren't they? Yeah. I uh, don't know why they called that or anything, but basically, long story short, it was big news because the results came out, the awards were given, and apparently these are quite predictive of Oscars. They say that. They say that. Well, you know, is that the same they that were angry about fucking plastic water bottles, man? Yeah, they're furious. Yeah, okay. They're really angry about (laughs) it. Uh, Yeah, so the Golden Globes awards, nominations, and snubs lists have all made it out online, and they say... Snubs. 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 They say there's been a lot of snubs, but to be honest, I'm not particularly familiar with enough of the films that they've listed here to know whether it's a big deal or not. The biggest ones that have been... (laughs) Well, the biggest ones that have been left off this list is something that's been ongoing for quite a while now, which is that the... Uh, best director segment never has any female directors oh, in it. Oh, I saw Natalie Portman come on stage and say that was a cu- yeah. A cu- she did all the, a, the, the, the male, male director yeah. nominees. Yeah. Um. So this year, directors Natalie Portman's fucking awesome. She is awesome. She's really really good. She's got like she does serious political activism shit. It's great. Yeah, she's great. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, this year the big ones. The big snubs are this all-female thing where people were saying that it's a bit suspect that... I haven't seen it most of these films. So Lulu Wang for The Farewell, Lorene Scar- uh, Scafaria for Hustlers, Marielle Heller for Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, and Olivia Wilde for Booksmart all weren't nominated for Best Director. Well, what's what's I mean, bizarre about that? I don't think that Booksmart was that well directed. I thought it was kind of like a dumb comedy I don't think it was that movie. well written but I think it was really well directed. Okay, I, I don't, don't know. know. I suppose I wasn't watching for that. Um, Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. It ne- just wasn't like, an outstanding film, I guess, but 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, so it, the I farewell suppose... should absolutely have been on that list. She should absolutely have yeah. Been oh, there. Like Greta Gerwig's film Little Women. She was Greta Gerwig right, wasn't nominated. Right, 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 right. And I haven't seen most of those movies. Noah Baumbach also wasn't I don't nominated. Think Little for... Women's out here. I'm going to see it yeah. later with um with uh, some lovely women in my family. There you go. Um, uh, Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story that mm. we're talking about today this week wasn't nominated for Best Director. Yep. So that's another strange one. It was on Netflix. Um, I suppose, or maybe, but I mean, it, it received a whole bunch of other nominations. It oh, just so didn't get nominated then, yeah. for Best Director. Uh, Robert De Niro. <laughs> just like, great movie. Fuck this dude. Yeah. <laughs> Robert De Niro wasn't nominated for his performance in The Irishman. Adam, this is for Golden Globes. Yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler has got a movie coming up where he's playing the starring role in a new Safdie Brothers movie. The Safdie Brothers did that uh, Robert Pattinson action bank heist movie we covered a couple of weeks ago. Oh, um, yes. What was that called? I don't, I'm never going to remember. Um, but good the, thing? Good times? Yeah, it, yeah good, 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 good time. It's one of the two things that I said. Good time, yeah. For sure. Um, this new one's called Uncut Gems, and apparently it's an incredible performance by Adam Sandler that people are pushing for him to win an Oscar for or whatever. But right. in any case, he wasn't nominated for a Gold Globe. Like, if I don't win an Oscar for this shit, I'm just going to make terrible movies <laughs> for the rest of my life or <laughs> something. got bad news for you, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, really? You're just going to do that, are you? You're going to do that from now on, are you? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and then there's a lot here that I consider care less about. I mean, people are complaining that Shia LaBeouf wasn't... Not people. This this list is suggesting that Shia LaBeouf might have deserved a nomination for his performance in Honey Boy, which is a movie he's got that hasn't come out yet in Australia that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Lupita Nyong'o for her performance in Us... I don't know. There's so many performances this year that I feel like it's like, yeah, well, you would have to then go back and say that none of the other people nominated deserve it for mm. you to say that they were snubbed because you can't just have like fucking 30, yeah. 30 nominations in every category. Is it worth going through best? Let's do some key, some key categories. Yeah. All right. So Golden Globe nominations for musical or comedy is Once Upon a Time oh, in Hollywood. Right. They got that bullshit thing where yeah, it's like musical do, yeah. or comedy yeah. versus like, God, I remember this from last year. So musical or comedy for best motion picture. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Jojo Rabbit, <laughs> Knives Out, Rocket Man, and Dolomite is my name. Right. So already you haven't seen Knives Out. God, this out, is so fucking but weird. I think Knives Out is an interesting an interesting example of being classified as a comedy because the director has said it's not a comedy. Yeah. And I mean there are funny bits in it, but there are funny bits in Marriage Story. It should just be drama. No, there are funny bits yeah. in Marriage Story, and Marriage Story is nominated as a drama. You know? Yeah, there it's are funny crazy. bits in it's Joker. It's such an arbitrary distinction. But Joker is nominated as a drama. Right, but like Jojo Rabbit, absolutely a comedy, right? Yeah, and then I don't think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a comedy. No, it's a musical. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird Why distinction. Why is it that musical? Who, who, oh, fuck, who gives a well, crap the, about musicals? The only anymore. musical in this is Rocket Man. Yeah, God. But like. Yeah, I don't know. And but do they just have to stick one in there so that's still the category? Maybe God. it was comedy or musical because they're like, well, where do the musicals go? Um, best dramas. Fucking who cares? Best dramas. Uh, <laughs> Irishman, Marriage Story, 1917, which is that new oh, Sam yeah. Mendes one-shot fucking war movie. Uh, Joker and a movie called Two Popes that I haven't... I don't really know that much about. Mm. Neither do I. About... About two men yeah. named Pope. <laughs> Yeah, Lucas Pope, the director of Papers, Please, and Pope John Paul II. Yep. Asked to give him cheat codes. That sounds actually pretty good. I'd watch that. Yeah. The Pope talking about That'd Papers, Please. With, yeah. um, just It's just, yeah, Lucas Pope trying to sell like Papers, Please to the Pope. 
Yeah, so, um, so I won't go through all the actors because there's best actor and best actress for dramas and comedy. So we could be here all day reading God. all those out. Um, and these are just nominations, right? No just nominations, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's supporting roles for all this shit. Uh, yeah. Best foreign language films. Uh, the Farewell, Pain and Glory, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Parasite, and Lame Is. I didn't realize there's been a new production of Lame Is. <laughs> Neither did I. That'd be interesting. I'd watch that. Um, Parasite's great. I haven't seen any of yeah. those. You've seen The Farewell. Yeah, I liked Parasite a lot better. Parasite's been getting a huge amount of buzz recently. Yeah, because it got it got limited release and then it got a general cinematic release. I think because it's still showing at like our local big. Dendi chain. Yeah, right. So, well, so interestingly, yeah. Parasite's nominated as a best foreign language motion picture, but it's also on the best screenplay nomination. Yeah, yeah alongside all the massive. other normal movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Marriage Story, Parasite, <laughs> Two Popes, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and The Irishman are all nominated for best, best screenplay. Okay. I feel like I'm losing interest in just reading out random names here, but there's heaps no, of nominations here. Of course, the, the Golden Globes also cover TV, so Fleabag. Uh, has been nominated for a Golden Globe Best TV Series. I feel like it's been cleaning up at every awards season it ever yeah, and is in. So this is another bizarre thing. Like Fleabag and The Farewell both nominated in their respective categories for like best, uh, best feature or best like TV series, but the Musical directors weren't all nominated at all. Right? Yeah, it's weird. Despite it? being... Fam- I think it's just a coincidence, but it's... Stri- well, not like not a coincidence. I think that yeah. it, it doesn't seem to me like an intentional... Like, what the fuck are they doing only nominating men intentionally? But it just strikes me as such a... a like, a men were behind this and just didn't even think about it. Well, you know? I, I don't know. I think that maybe it's it's a shame to have to say it, but I feel like maybe it's got something to do with the fact that women might not be being afforded the best directorial opportunities because if you read that list of oh these snubs by female directors like I've read something like well I've seen some buzz about those films and I've seen that and I didn't really love it it Mm. almost feels like someone's trying to list the first the only five movies they can think of by female directors that got an amount of buzz this year you know what I mean like I just don't think that if you if you're making a list of movies that are being nominated for best director and the other movies on that list like get back to it if it's like an opportunity issue i like uh, which i i agree exists yeah. well but see so it's strange then that they would be recognizing the quality of some of the productions yeah. but not recognizing the people who created those productions so the other movies on the best or that are nominated for best director are bong jin ho for parasite yeah 1917 Joker, Sam the Ir- yeah, yep. uh, Joker, the right Irishman, it. and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, so those are huge movies, and I just don't think that any of the other movies that they listed by these female directors, unfortunately, mm. I don't think they're on that same. Right, and it's obviously level. a chicken or egg thing where, like, women who have a greater career trajectory will go on to be given greater budget films and be able to do more impressive projects. But some of the projects that they did were really impressive, which is why they're in the fucking category for best feature and whatever. Yeah. Like, it's... And it's it's not fair to say, oh, I've heard of these more and I've seen these. It's like, yeah, that's feeding into this sort of bias. Right, exactly. It's a self-perpetuating thing. So, it just strikes me as, like more men were probably in charge of being the judges and, like, voting but, uh, for nominations. But, like, it might not have even been a conscious thing is what I'm saying. I'm saying that, like, these big five movies are five huge movies and the fact that I can't name a huge movie that was I'm directed by a female... I'm unconscious bias, but yeah. okay, both. Right. Like, I, what I'm saying, it's not an intentional thing, but it's still a problem. 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. I, that's kind of it's kind of what I was trying to get at. Is the idea that like, but it's I don't both, think it's people both. are sitting yeah. down being like, oh, let's. I'm good. There's a huge movie by a female director this year, and I'm going to make sure that's not been nominated. No, it's like I I don't see it as like suspicious or anything. It's just. Yeah. I think it's emblematic of a bunch of different problems with the industry, which is that like there's not equal opportunity and there's also not uh, equal recognition of achievement when yeah. it happens. Um, you've got the results here for some sort of independent awards. Yeah, so, so the worth Go- going Gotham, through very briefly. Gotham Independent Filmmaking Awards are uh, a reasonably recent thing, I think, although this is a 29th one, so I guess it's been running since 1990. Um yeah, so they have. Uh, it's actually we might run through all of these because there's only a few categories, which is nice. Well, so already you can see in best, best feature, feature, best doco, best actor and actress, best screenplay, breakthrough actor, and then uh, a couple of series awards and stuff that like what? Who cares? But sorry, you were going to say I that. I was going to say already you can see in best feature, uh, the farewell and, and hustlers, hustlers are yeah. both directed by women. And this is the I don't know if this is the type of thing where they sort of are under the uh, beneath the surface say like. There has to be an equal number of nominated films by men and women or whatever, but um, regardless, like they're still obviously recon- recognizing it. Well, and, and the like, fact that I think this move, this this award ceremony, is designed to promote independent film. Right. The fact that it's inherently founded on the spirit of promoting art that isn't getting enough recognition. Yeah. I suppose it perhaps suggests that they have enough right motivation to do that. Yeah. So. Um, as you said, best feature went to Marriage Story. Um, nominated was The Farewell, which I watched and was really good. Uh, yeah. I think I mean I preferred Marriage Story, but I think what The Farewell achieved was really actually. You know what? I, I probably enjoyed them an even amount for different reasons. So I'm glad that they both got up there. Yeah, right. Um, I don't think either is a documentary people per se. Best actor? No. Adam Driver for Marriage not. Story. Yeah, Adam Driver got Marriage Story, and Aquafina o- got. Uh, the, the protagonist of The Farewell won Best Actress, which well, I think go. is very well-deserving be- because she was wonderful. Um, we got a couple of other interesting noms here. Uh, Will- Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse. I really want to see that. That, that was really is good. That's going to be really interesting, yeah. So that was the same director. I was just talking to someone about this. Um, I-, I managed to rope some of our <laughs> my Newcastle friends into um, listening or at least watching some of these, uh, some of our, our recommended films. And uh, they had just gone in on... Midsummer, and I said, "Well, if you like that, apparently the witch, the 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 Vavitch, is really good, <laughs> and that's directed by uh, Robert Eggers, who directed uh, the Lighthouse, another A twenty four film. So yeah, I'm I'm keen to see that because apparently the Stude's uh, productions are incredible, and also like the Lighthouse seems like it's going to be a real fucking." Film studies ass <laughs> film. It's like not even in four by three. It's in like one one dot one one point one nine to one. It's like in a narrower aspect ratio than four by three. It's nuts. That's almost one to one. Yeah, I know. It's almost a square. Like it's yeah, it's very it's Instagram. It's a, He's just got an Instagram <laughs> horror yeah, movie. This is bullshit. Doing it for the gram. It's not a <laughs> horror movie either. It's like a I don't know. It's like a bit of a thriller. Anyway, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I'm keen to see that. So yeah, so you're saying uh, there are no supernatural elements. Adam Sandler. Uh, well, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of apparently. There's heaps of visual <laughs> metaphor. Like it's just a film that you can read into. Oh, man. Yeah. Never so, mind then. Adam Sandler. Uh, yep. I don't know. Uh, a few others that I haven't really heard That's of. That's the thing. There's heaps of movies here that I feel like I don't know whether we can read them all out because I haven't heard of most of these. Well, Florence Pugh was there for Midsummer. Uh, and Elizabeth Moss she was really good as well. Is there for for best actress? So yeah, I mean, that, good to 
good to see a bit of recognition there. If anything, I feel like maybe we can link this and people can have a look and that gives a suggestion of other films that we may have missed that's worth going back yeah, and watching for sure, this year. For sure. I feel like if we read most of these out, people might not necessarily... Well, okay, yeah, last one, best screenplay went to Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story. But yeah, right. also in that list, Lulu Wang, The Farewell, and uh, yeah, Ari Aster, Midsommar. Well, I'm keen to talk about the screenplay later because I have some thoughts on how the screenplay is performed and whether that lends itself any air of realism or not in mm. comparison to uh, the Meyerowitz stories. Yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, if that one thought took that yeah. long to get out, then maybe we're fucked. Yeah, um, <laughs> that might be the end of the news for this week. So yeah. we could probably just pivot straight into Marriage Story. Yeah, and see let's do it. see how much we can waffle on about this. Um, so Marriage Story is the new film that's been released this year by Noah Baumbach. Direct he wrote to Netflix. Straight to all. Yeah, I think it had a it had its cost like thirty days yeah, cinematic yeah, release. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's month cinematic release to be eligible for Oscar. Selection, I think. Yep. Um, I heard an interview today where Noel Baumbach was saying it's the longest cinematic run that a Netflix film has had so far. Yep. And he, he seemed that there was some um, Q&A he was doing after a screening and he said, like, thank you all for coming out to see it in the cinema. Yeah. Netflix is very kindly, let's show it for a month. So, he, I don't know, it's weird already that he seems to be happy to do the film for Netflix, but also seems like he's sort of selling his soul. It's very resentful, bit. yeah. yeah. Um, in any case, it's just come out. And it's brand new and it's available on Netflix. Stars Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver as a couple, Nicole and Charlie. Correct. They live in New York and the whole film is about their divorce. Mm. Um, don't know why he didn't call it Divorce Story, but, you know, he won't answer my calls. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, tried, to, tried to tell him, like... Noah, you've made a, a, a big mistake, I don't buddy. know if you realise, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the basic, like, it's the film starts off um, it's with a bit of a bait and switch about, like, a normal romance story where it's each of Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver's character reading or, like, giving their thoughts on why they love the other person so much. Yeah. And the, it's, it's really uh, beautifully written in... Such a way that like it's it's kind of it focuses on like macro details about like the There's, way that someone's lips curl or I like, know that listeners are sick of me doing this, but they do that exact same thing in When Harry Met Sally. Yeah, where yeah. It's like I love the way you order a sandwich, and I love the way that you get super competitive about Monopoly is one of the ones they use in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like oh, she can open jars and that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so then it does that thing where the, he's he's soliloquizing or monologuing, I suppose, if you want to use the correct word. But like, here's what I love so much about my wife. Yeah, it's and not written in iambic pentameter, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> she does the same thing. Uh, she's talking about what she loves about yeah. Adam. And then it immediately becomes clear. So there's a, a, a cut to the words on the page that you've just been listening to. And you sort of think, why is it written down? That's strange. And you realize that it's... Uh, letter that she's written and they're in the middle of separation proceedings. So they're in like a marriage counselor's office. Yeah. And that's when it like, so it starts off straight away. These people are getting divorced. Yeah. Or either the movie does a lot of those bait and switches throughout the whole film where I feel like it's impossible 
for us to talk about and, and have the listeners be interested in it, I feel like, and not know anything about the movie. Yeah. But like, if you didn't know it was going to be a divorce movie, already Which that would have been a... Oh, really? Well, I feel like, yeah, even if it's called Marriage Story, you're going to expect some amount of building the relationship up and you're going to see them on the way out before yeah. it comes down again. And so for the first scene, for them to sort of rip the rug out from under you and have it be like, no, they're getting divorced now, brother. And the real uh, magic of the <laughs> was cool. the real magic of the film is that we do still get to experience that, but it's always through these like intangible... So there's these initial flashbacks... Because the uh, the dialogue at the start when they're talking about how much they love each other, I love other the way he plays with our kid, or I love the way he orders groceries or whatever. That's, it slashes back and shows them doing that. Yeah, so that's delivered through flashback, and they actually we can get a little more into the technical stuff. But like for example, the film sets a really interesting tone by having those be um, obviously handheld shots where you're meant to be placed in the position, like the point of view of the other. One in the relationship, watching that person yeah. do that stuff. I heard him talking about all these all these little scenes where he feels like it's the sort of thing that you never think about yourself doing until your significant other says, "I love the way it's you do it, this." Yeah, things that you wouldn't notice. Lots but of intimate little shots of Scarlett Johansson doing weird little day to day type type shots, and he's like, "Yeah, I love the way she brushes her hair back or whatever." Yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. the fuck. Um, throughout all those all these shots and all these establishing scenes already, I noticed that like I didn't necessarily notice any specific. Like cool shots or whatever. The cinematography but, uh, was very pared back. But, yeah. I was going to talk about that. But I definitely oh, too late, buddy. Um, <laughs> but I definitely noticed that um, the colors, the colors, the were, colors, the colors, the colors uh, were very, very rich and warm and sort of saturated in a really pleasant way. Like there was lots of different scenes where they're on. Uh, the subway, for example, where they've clearly thought about the color composition a lot. Mm. I was reading, reading. Who am I kidding? I was listening to an interview <laughs> with Noah Baumbach where he was talking about, and this is one of these examples where it's the sort of thing you hear that filmmakers obsess about a lot, but you never actually get any examples. It's right. like, oh, I'm sure someone's thought about that, but have they? No, he was thinking about like, he's like, I know that I'm going to have to have a scene in the subway and the, the, the chairs are orange and the walls are silver. So what colors can they be wearing that complement that? Right. And similarly, he was saying, look, there might be a scene where he's like, where am I going to get the <laughs> it's red? Like, it's, uh, it's it's black. He's yeah. just going to be wearing black. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that was me. That was me extrapolating from the story. I think the story he said was like, there was some scene where he was like, well, in this shot here, um, the buildings I'm shooting in New York have lots of red brick and that's what gives it a certain color tone to those scenes. I'm not going to worry about the characters wearing red. Um, in LA, where am I going to get my red from? Maybe this character can be wearing a red sweater. And just right. the idea that they were thinking on such a specific nitty-gritty detail about like what color jumper is that character going to be wearing from a cinematographic point of view. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. And it's the sort of thing that you mentioned before. I wish they'd mentioned in English class about like... Yeah, because this is a pet peeve of mine where these people that think that, like, the directors are just like, oh, no, fucking chuck it there or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. No one pays attention to this shit. Like, there are people's jobs that is just to pay attention to that shit. (laughs) Like, their job is that. It's like... If you if you end up on like the goofs page of IMDb because like your glass was empty at this take and then full in this take, the script supervisor is the person who fucked up <laughs> that let that happen. Yeah. They're a continuity editor as well. Like yeah. that is their fucking job. Well, so I suppose what I meant was you hear a lot that like 
um, oh, people think about that, but you don't actually know what that th- thought process actually involves. Sure. And so I, re- I found a, a couple really great interviews today. And so to hear Noah Baumbach very clearly and very specifically articulate, like, not like, oh, I think a lot about the color composition, but like, no, no, in this scene, I chose that guy's jumper to be red for this exact yeah, yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really interesting. I think and that's then, almost it, like the more that, sorry. Yeah, well, there was, and so then in the, there are other scenes where this, this interviewer was really into it, was saying, oh, so what about this other scene where, Scarlett Johansson is walking up out of the subway and she's rising from the earth. Did you draw any significance from that? And in that example, um, Noah was just like, oh, to be honest, actually, no. I just grew up in New York and I thought that it was kind of cool seeing people rise up out of the stairs like that. But you're right. You could draw some meaning to that if you wanted to. And so to hear him not just... Which does relate... in a different way to the storyline, yeah. but yeah. And so then to hear him not just waffling on and be like, oh, yeah, I totally meant that, but to hear him be like, oh, in this case, yes, I thought about it. In this case, no, I didn't think yeah, about that yeah, at all. Yeah. It gave me a bit of an insight into, yeah, a little bit a little bit more enlightening as to like, no, it's actually not bullshit. They are thinking about these things. Yeah, but to yeah, give yeah. specific examples is really interesting. And I, and I think that's where people tend to start to legitimately call bullshit sometimes when like someone could watch that and say, look, Scarlett Johansson here, it's a metaf- metaphor for her career being on the rise. Mm. And Adam Driver's descent downwards, like you were saying, is a metaphor for his coming back down to earth and sort of abandoning his lofty goals and career expectations and things. And so mm. you'd be like, yeah, well, you could treat that as a met- metaphor for that but I, I'm sure there are many cases where it's not the case well, there are many just lying down yeah yeah. yeah and yeah. I, I think that there is a, there's a lot of, a lot of case, we can drop it in a moment I think there's a lot of interesting cases in English class where it's less trying to analyse the author's intent and it's more if you watch something and be like oh that's really interesting or that resonates with me English class is like I'm going to explain to you very technically why that resonates with you and so it's like the author yeah. might not have realised this but what they've accidentally done is created a metaphor here yeah, yeah, yeah. A metaphor a is significant this way because it creates this sensation. Right. And so I think that yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about those different things. Yeah. And I thought it was cool here because I found this interview where he was technically outlining a lot of those things. Right. So the movie specifically, I got, I got a good interview for you as well. I watched one uh, with Variety with the. It was a Variety interview with the uh, director of photography uh, from Joker. And he was talking very specifically about some of the lighting choices that he made yeah. in Joker with like um the the bulbs that were around at the time, which were um not strontium, but like a different type of light bulb that was used very specifically you know, in the street 80s. lamps and that. Yeah. And they're really, really like g- kind of a gross green orange. And he said like he wanted to he had to he used that as like almost a foundational thing that was always around. And so you see a lot of contrast with that when he's like in his apartment and it's the first time you see like normal tungsten light globes. Um, and it's supposed to feel very warm and comforting. But then there's times when he's like, like for instance, there's a bit where uh, Joaquin Phoenix is suffering from really bad insomnia. And so we get like fluorescent lighting coming in through a window and it's very, very green and blue, yeah. which contrasts really strongly with like the, the tungsten lamps in his apartment. It's, it's an interesting, like... Yeah, yeah, that's the sort of thing I find really interesting. And I can't stand watching interviews where people are just like, oh, what was it like working with Scarlett Johansson? Right. Yeah. Is like, Scarlett Johansson nice or yeah. is she actually a bitch? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just even just like people people asking questions that they think are insightful or that they think are... Like you often hear in audience Q&As, it sounds like someone wanted to ask a question but couldn't think of anything to ask. Right. 
So they'll just be like audience Q and A's are the worst. Yeah, like I bet. So then it's it's always great when you find because I'm often looking for more interviews than a normal person would look for to think of talking points for this. Right. Uh, and so then when I finally get one where the interviewer actually gives a fuck, like this interviewer was like, "Sorry for all the nerdy questions," and I was like, "No, nah, give them to me." That's, this yeah, is great. yeah, because um, he's probably going to have a much more interesting time talking about that than the five hundredth time he's been asked if Scarlett Johansson was nice on on set or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what about the so. We talked a little bit about the plot overview, but obviously we can't go too much into it because I feel like that's kind of the whole soul yeah. of this well, movie. I, I suppose we haven't really specifically outlined much of a, a plot outline. What it really is is so they're they're in New York. Adam Driver's character is a theatre director for plays and things. They start Scarlett off in LA. No. no, sorry, they start off in New York. Yeah, yes. uh, Scarlett Johansson is an actress who he met on a project ages ago and they've now been married for something like ten years and they have a small child. Yeah, the kid's like six or seven. I thought he was quite cool. Um, not cool. Good. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I thought I thought he was good in a way that like kids are often distracted I found and don't him give annoying. a fuck. I think <laughs> Which small I kids think are annoying. To, yeah. yeah. Um, and then quite quickly it pivots almost immediately to them trying to work out their relationship difficulties and going through a divorce. Yeah. Um, and they go through various stages of informally and formally going through all these divorce proceedings. The first major complication is like that they they because they're splitting reasonably amicably and they just kind of want the best for their kid. They've kind of agreed to do it without lawyers. And then Scarlett Johansson's character is at like some dinner drinks party or something, and someone's like, "Just go and talk to this lawyer. Like, she just could, just make sure yeah. that you do because like you don't have to do anything with the advice or anything like that. But just talk to her. She's yeah. really great in understanding, and, and she's like a very, very, very good, potentially really aggressive lawyer. And it sort of puts Adam Driver's character in this position where he needs to make sure that he's protecting himself as well. So he has yeah. to get a good lawyer too. And so it does this interesting thing where it scales up the stakes where mm. neither character feels like they're really in control of the situation almost right. anymore to a certain degree. Yeah. What what but I felt it summed up well was like, and it's in, I can't remember the old, the old lawyer that Adam Driver talks to at first. Alan Alder's name is like something Spitz. Yeah. Okay. Um, Don Spitz, I think. Sure. So at one point, Don Spitz is talking about how like the system is designed to protect like a young mother who's who, the father of whose child uh, or the the and the father of her child doesn't want to support her or pay payments and just wants to piss off and wants no responsibility yeah. that's what it's designed to protect yeah. but then it doesn't it's a system that just has no capability to deal with these people that don't hate each other and don't have any animosity yeah um and just want kind of what's best for their kid because the lawyers can push here and there. Yeah. And if you're not taking steps to protect yourself against that, which is often going on the offensive, then you will get taken advantage of yeah. by doing nothing. There's a lot of scenes where the lawyer will be like, oh, we can get him for half his apartment and half of his grant money. Right. And she'll be like, oh, I don't want to do that. Uh, yeah. And all, all that sort of shit. Where and it probably looks good on a lawyer's resume to have said that they managed <laughs> to successfully do that. Well, I was thinking about that because Laura Dern's character is great, but she comes across as very like... Not self-serving necessarily, but she's like she's always thinking about that as well. She comes across you know? so Laura Dern's character is this very glamorous, like an LA fucking lawyer. Yeah, so yeah. she's she's uh, dressed up to the nines with like red four-inch heels and this beautiful office that's decorated immaculately mm. in like a huge high-rise building. Like she wa- she walks in looking like a like an eleven out of ten and sort of goes like. Sorry, I look so shabby. And then immediately, yeah. like, is so on point with all her legal knowledge and, like, we have to do this and this and this. But I kind of noticed 
when I first watched that scene that she was very, very touchy feely and very emotionally open um, in a way that I found a little grating to begin with. Right. Like it definitely felt like it was, I thought that, I thought that maybe the film was going a little bit too far on like the, um, it's two women just connecting about their, but then I- their ex-husbands. And then, but, but then when you get, um, Adam Driver finally going in to find a lawyer and he goes into like the butch macho masculine lawyer's Ray office Liotta. and Ray Liotta so the first good. thing the first thing he's like is like I make $900 an hour he makes 400 an hour you got any dumb questions you talk to him first right which is great because it's like he's helping him out yeah. Because he's like, don't talk to me that's going to cost you a grand an hour yeah. talk to that guy it's going to cost you half a grand an hour which you're like yeah I guess that's true but also yeah. like why is it costing me yeah. Half a grand an hour. Yeah. And so then I immediately, I, I loved what he was doing as soon as I, re- so I didn't really like the Laura Dern scene for the start because I felt like, oh, she's a bit too lovey and touchy feely and she's a bit too emotionally available in a way that right. I thought maybe wasn't necessarily very realistic or it rubbed me the wrong way. But then I, I, as soon as I realized what he was doing with the other, the other lawyer that Adam was seeing being like, this bitch, your bitch-ass wife, we got to take her for all she's worth and all that sort of shit. I, I like the contrast that they are playing there with like the but dumb masculine energy versus like the the female energy. I, I read I read Laura Dern's character as like very much like being a bit empathetic, but really layering the sauce on that's to of take what her I, on as a client. That's kind of what I felt, maybe. And like, I don't think yeah. she was being very sincere in that moment. I think she was. Pretty she knew that the right yeah. thing to do is provide support, and so she yeah. was like providing support. I suppose that's what I was getting. Uh, right, because then later she's like, we fucking won, baby. And yeah. it's like, that's all you ever cared about. You didn't actually yeah. care about whether or not she was like, what the story was. And the reason why she asks like, because she, she initiates that, that talk with like, tell me about your marriage or whatever. Yeah. And Scarlett Johansson goes on this like large emotional journey it's actually like filmically very impressive it's like a six minute monologue that's yeah. almost in one take and then but it's like how i fell in love with uh, charlie and why we moved to this and, and why then we how, did this the, and how it started to go yeah. downhill and stuff but laura dern is only listening to that for ammunition and to get like an idea of how they can construct a legal case against yeah. adam driver's character whereas scarlett johansson is genuinely reliving these Love, love-fueled emotional and, moments, like having a moment, right? Yeah, and so like, yeah, I did. I, I found her continuously disingenuous, and I found Ray Liotta's character like actually more, like, slightly less competent because he missed a few things that she didn't miss, but then like more blunt yeah, about well, it. He seems very cold, and ca- they both seem very cold and calculating, but in yes. different ways. I feel like he's very, uh, he's he's he's. What you see is what you get with Ray Liotta's like yeah. big dumb jock lawyer character, <laughs> um, which is I guess like I don't know. It doesn't feel like a gender stereotype, but and I, I don't want to be. Did. I kind of thought it did feel like a gender stereotype in a way. Yeah, in a way that like she's putting on what she thinks the woman wants to hear, and he's putting on what he thinks the bloke wants yeah, to okay, hear. Yeah, okay, Neither yeah. of them are really like that because right. there's this moment in the courthouse where they pass each other in the corridor, and she's he's like, "You got to come to my little mixer next week," and she's like, "Oh, I'd love to." Um, and yeah, <laughs> and. And then they're straight back to well, like and play you're not acting. sure. Well, but you're not sure which one's legitimate because they might kind of fucking hate each yeah. other. 
together, yeah. which is also another I feel trope between like the the male and female lawyer, right? Yeah. But what did you yeah. think of? So there's the, the first one. There's a, f- a big major scene so, so when well, they're looking just, for. Just to yep. t- I'm sorry. In general, the the so the rest of the the plot we won't like delve into, but it's just generally basically observing these two people who are caught in a system that isn't really intended for them, that just makes you continuously that continuously increases the stakes, financial, emotional, yeah, and. Ray Liotta's character really sums up what I feel is like the thread of the rest of the plot, yeah. which is that if you, they're going to shoot for like a crazy fucking yeah, he, solution. He, and if we come to the table with reasonable, we're going to end up somewhere between reasonable <laughs> yeah, yeah. and crazy. That's the, so, the cra- that's the one of the funniest lines in the yeah, whole film. So it's like, we have to do crazy as well because then we'll meet it reasonable, yeah. which really sums up mm. the, the rest of the film at least the legal parts of it, because this film really operates on two levels. It's like what goes on with the, with the lawyers and what goes on without the lawyers. Yeah. And when they're without the lawyers, they sort of are much more like human. And when they're with the lawyers, they're barely talking. It's just Ray Liotta and Laura Dern kind of like yeah. at war. Well, those those all those scenes with the lawyers, um, when they're meeting up the lawyers for the first time, sort of halfway into the movie, when they get the lawyers and start to and form that their cases. That's the things. old guy, yeah. Um, Spits. Those are almost the uh, like the comic relief in the whole film. The film has a lot of weird, different tones to it. Mm. So a lot of it is this very lovely romance. A lot of it is quite intense drama when it's just Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson just having little one-on-one scenes with each other. But then a lot of it's really funny. I thought this is one of yeah. the funnier films I've seen in a little while. Like um, yeah. Laura Dern delivers this gag about uh, defending Tom Petty's ex-wife. Right. That <laughs> she does really well. There's all sorts of little dry lines that I've heard a lot of interviews describe it as like this screwball comedy. Yeah, yeah, But there's yeah. all sorts of dumb, like almost nice guys uh, that... that uh, Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling. It's almost like a lot of the comedy you get in Nice Guys. I, I just didn't find it that funny, but um, I, I thought it was. I thought it was funny in bits. Like when I didn't actively think it was not funny, but I think it tickled a lot of people in a way that I just didn't really get. I, I just thought it was, was really. So, funny. I was so on edge the whole time that anytime something was funny, I was just like, "Oh God!" I just. Uh, well, there's, there's a bit later we can talk about because I think there's an interesting scene later on where he, they're serving the papers where the funny bits at the start. The funny, yeah, right. So the, where the funny bits are tense and the tense bits are funny. Yeah, yeah. of course it's at the start. So there's a bit. Um, I think it's worth mentioning before we get into that the fact that I think it's interesting that Scarlett Johansson's character is sort of on her way up. We sort of mentioned before, but she is leaving Adam because she thinks that she he's holding her back in his career. Like he wants to stay in New York for Broadway and plays, and she's like, "Well, I could be a she real feels like actress." They've, they've always made decisions that sort of accelerate and further what his he career, wants, right? And it's always been her that's been yeah. supporting that. And so she's the one doing the breaking up, kind of, because she's so she's had a little bit of a while to deal with it and reason with it in her own head, and she is. She's the one that's making the decision and doing it, and she feels empowered in that way. And Adam Driver, in every single scene, is constantly seeming like he's being blindsided and is completely unprepared for what's happening. Yeah. So she's the one that gets the lawyer, and he frantically scrabbles to like find a lawyer. Yeah, and, and he like, well, yeah, he delays because she's like, oh, it's not, there's no rush. And then we find out that like he spent thirty days not really doing anything, and they're yeah. like, well, now there's a fucking rush. Like, yeah. But yeah. it, I thought it was interesting the way the film so it deals with the two motivations of the characters where I think Scarlett Johansson has the most pure motivation where she's like you clearly don't love me because you don't care about my ambitions and Adam Driver's just kind of like oh no oh, can't we just keep things going the way they were and just not change anything and I I didn't really feel that sympathetic towards Adam Driver for that reason but mm. then there's a long stretch of the movie where Adam Driver is 
it feels like the main character. Yeah. And so then, because I, I, so, I feel like it sort of shows, you know, um, she says why, well, she gives her letter and then he gives his letter and then she shows meeting her lawyer and then he shows meeting his lawyer. Right. And so it's like they they have similar scenes that are sort of A, B, A, B throughout the film. But then there's a long stretch where it's just a lot of Adam Driver scenes put together that makes the rest of the movie feel like he's the main character we're yeah, following. Yeah, yeah. And so then to feel so conflicted about these two main characters is really strange because from his perspective... He's trying to like demonize her in his head in a little bit of a way because he feels hard done by. But every time you, you hear Scarlett Johansson's character explain why she's leaving him, you're like, well, those are great reasons. Yeah, I think and that's And so then it. when I Adam Driver explains why he's so hard done by, and you're like, shut up, dude, you're wrong. Yeah, I think like he, what's, what's tough is that we, we have to watch him go through, like experience the consequences of his poor yeah. actions. But she's the one that's making those consequences worse. Yeah. And so it's like, what well, it might, I don't know, it, it's hard to even tell if things are fair at the moment because, like, what happened was so in the past and it seemed yeah. fine to both of us at the... Well, at least one of us at the time. That's what I mean. And sort of seemed fine. Yeah, I'm agreeing. Yeah. It's like, it, 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 we... I mean, I think... I feel like a character says it, or maybe it's during the large argument scene where they sort of... It, it's sort of like... He's like, you're killing me now. And the argument is just like, well, yeah, you were killing me back then before I agreed to, before I decided that I wanted to leave you. Yeah. You know, I felt dead. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's sort of like, I empathize with both of these characters. I wouldn't necessarily call Scarlett Johansson's motivation pure because at times I feel like she cared less about Henry than he did. Um, I feel like you get a lot of more his decisions of- are motivated by, like she's the one who wants to move out to LA and she does say like, listen to the kid and both of them at times use the excuse like he's six he's just telling you what you want to hear yeah and so like i felt like he he was the most he was ever motivated in the film was when he stood to lose time with henry yeah but the most that she was ever motivated in the film it felt like was when she was getting a chance to like accelerate her career well but then when you look at the context of them getting separated that's kind of understandable where like yeah it's like both of them wanted the thing that they hadn't focused on before because they'd made so many sacrifices where like he didn't want to get married or have a kid and now he's married and has this kid and she wanted to pursue a career but chose not to because she was okay with having a family and then that family didn't work out so she wants to put more time and energy into her career. Like it's very hard to split apart the individual threads and like yeah, you sort of do can't. all the maths and figure out like well who's right here yeah. there's just no one well cuz he he's saying he says like we have to stay in new york but that's that's selfish right. because he they're only in new york cuz he's got a theater career and she says well we have to be in la because she wants to move to la to right. be a movie star and so then you can't really i, I don't know it's it's impossible it's then impossible to say oh well the kid should be here or the kid should be there because one parent or another is going to lose out on the kid time no matter what. Right. And so then, like, I, I just feel like Adam Sandler's character is constantly portrayed Adam as being Driver. like... <laughs> sorry, Adam Adam Driver. Fuck. That's probably happened a lot. Adam Driver's character is constantly throughout the film being portrayed as this whiny, like, but I want to go to New York. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I just I didn't feel very much sympathy for him at all. It doesn't help that I've never really seen him as a particularly well, I, sensitive or caring guy. Yeah. His face seems a bit dopey, a bit. Uh, I felt a lot of sympathy for him in this film. I wouldn't like I wouldn't go so far as to say I felt more sympathetic towards him than I did towards Scarlett Johansson's character. But I definitely felt like 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it sort of waxes and wanes throughout yes, the film, it, though, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, and the it way just, that it in the wash, like, no one... Yeah. You don't feel particularly, like, s- sort of settled with either person's side of yeah, things. Yeah, like, the way it sort of... It's, it's almost... Yeah. It's... It's like when you get half of a story from one friend and then you get the other half of a story from another friend and you go, oh, that's a good point. Oh, that's a good point. And right. you, know, you sort of you change your mind every time you hear a new piece of information. This whole film's kind of like that. Yeah. Where like every second scene, another character gets a little bit more portrayed in a bit of a bad light. You go, oh, actually, fuck Charlie. I like Nicole now or vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way that, in a way that makes it really compelling to watch because you're trying to work out like, well, who, who's in the right here? And when it... Because you desperately just want to know... But yeah, then th- maybe it's, it's the maybe it's the dumb dude in me. Or I'm like, there's got to be a simple solution to this very messy divorce. Well, just, <laughs> it's it's it tears you apart as a viewer. I truly think it tears you apart not to be able to so, sort of side with someone and not to know yeah. who the good person in the film is. Yeah, and this film does that really excellently. And it, I feel like what I what I was talking about before, where there's like the lawyer times and the non-lawyer times really make that very very hard because during the non-lawyer times they're They're almost amicable extremely civil and amicable to each other and you can tell like oh god when no like when the legal shit's not involved they actually just do both want what's best and they sort of understand each other's perspective a little bit they don't it's not what they want to be doing but it's what they accept kind of just has to happen Mm. and it just feels like any legal involvement in the entire story just is like just makes makes a bonfire out of that you know yeah where it's just like mate you got to burn everything or else they're going to burn it first you know uh, yeah it's and that was awfully hard to watch it is really hard to watch um something that uh, the director made a point of throughout the throughout all the interviews i watched was saying that every single shot is sort of either from Char- from Adam Driver's perspective or Scarlett Johansson's perspective, yeah. not like point of view wise, but like the camera is only in a scene. There's, there's never a scene with neither of them in it. Right. One of them at least is always in every single scene in the film. And but then it goes to the, the length where they're seeing in the courtroom scenes, for example. You don't just see shots of one lawyer and then shots of another lawyer. Even though Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver's character are silent throughout the whole film, the shot of the lawyer is over Scarlett Johansson's shoulder. Yeah. You see her. And then vice versa for over shoulder shots of Adam Driver's character for the other lawyer. And and he was sort of saying that it's little little things like that where he had to make the conscious choice to do that, mm. but you're not really supposed to notice it much as an audience. It's sort of this little rule that he created for himself throughout the film where he'd be like, I'm going to I'm gonna make sure all my camera shots are like this and it creates a certain amount of tension and a certain amount of... Well, it gives you those two perspectives as empathetic platforms. You're watching the journey of Scarlett Johansson or you're watching yeah. the journey of... Adam Driver, yeah, but you're experiencing it from their perspective. You're yeah. never just observing their journey, yeah, right. And so then, almost, almost the sort of shot of the lawyer talking with one of the main characters in the foreground is almost then emphasizing the fact that it's not them, it's not the main character saying it. And you say they're watching the lawyer, they're watching say it. this happen, and it almost sort of puts an emphasis on the fact that the characters in those scenes are voiceless, even though mm. they've employed these lawyers to supposedly speak for them it really highlights the points where you sort of have gotten to know these characters pretty well and when a lawyer says something a bit fucked or a bit snipey or like you you know scarlet reaction to it yeah scarlet johansson offhandedly mentions oh i might have had one too many wines teehee and then a lawyer is like she's an alcoholic because she said that she had three glasses of wine yeah it emphasizes it and you sort of feel bad for them and you watch them feeling bad for each other 
I think and that it, that was one of the most painful parts of the aspects of the film for me was like the fact that all of the, these tiny little moments that seem so insignificant before yeah. anything is wrong get like just completely put blown under out a of proportion. magnifying glass and ascribed this level of importance that yeah. they were never meant to have ascribed to them. Like, well, you said this. And they're like, yeah, I just said that. I didn't like, I didn't think that I was effectively signing a contract in a year's time or whatever. Yeah. It's just a thing that you say. We talked about doing lots of stuff that we didn't do. Yeah. Now, like, God, as someone who went through like a reasonably bad breakup, that is fucking, that just, that emotion of like, yeah, I know that that happened, but it didn't mean the same thing when it happened as it fucking means now. So why are we yeah. talking about it now? And it's like, because we have to talk about it now. Like, yeah, I guess we do have to talk <laughs> about it now. But fucking hell. I just don't have any, like, it's it's it loses all meaning. It makes you go nuts. And it makes you forced to, like, hyperanalyze everything you're saying. Yeah. Because you're like, What's this, when's this going to be brought back two years right. from now? Yeah, it it does. It really does put all of your it it's a, it's like dehumanizes all of your actions because yeah. it means that you have to act in a way that no normal person ever would. Yeah. You're just forced to act in these like the most unreasonable circumstances of like you have to move here and buy a house here but don't buy the like biggest house you can. Don't be in a hotel which is like you basically have to spend fucking heaps of money just to appear that you're doing the right thing. But yeah. then like that can also be interpreted in the wrong way, so there's not really any <laughs> good thing that you can do. Oh, he'd, he'd apparently interviewed a whole bunch of his friends and people he knew that had been divo- that He's went been through, through divorces two divorces as well. Yeah. I think his, his parents were divorced and he was divorced. Yeah. Because uh, he's written a movie, his previous movie from a few years ago that's also about divorce is called The Squid and the Whale, mm. and that's from the perspective of the kids watching their parents getting divorced, yeah, and that's yeah, kind yeah. of autobiographical of when his parents were divorced. Right. Well, apparently, apparently he, because he, he was married to Greta Gerwig, I think. Oh, no, because they're still Jace, married. Jennifer Jason yeah, Lee. Yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, uh, but... Scarlett Johansson was also going through a divorce at the time at which he, oh, she was brutal. approached to... Yeah. And um, uh, it just, like, I think all of the characters had some empathetic kind yeah. of point of reference. Uh, talking about, um, we can probably get a little bit closer into spoilers now, I suppose. I if reckon you, if so. You, if, you don't, if, you, if you don't want to spoil, it's just story stuff, I suppose. Little scenes that might be nice to find out for yourself. I think it's yeah. worth seeing the movie. Um, we'll time code where you can jump back in to hear our little summing up section. But yep. here we are. This is spoiler spoiler Alert. warning. <laughs> um <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in the whole film was this argument scene. Um, before I go back, I suppose I'll jump back briefly to a bit that's not a spoiler and mention the bit I forgot to mention before where they're serving the papers. Yeah, and yeah, And my yeah. favorite bit about that was that was... So, there's this almost... Yeah, this sort of farcical back and forth between rooms trying to find the envelope with the papers and, oh, who do I give it to? How do I, how do I give these papers to Adam's character? How, what, where do I stand? Like who should I look at? It's like slapstick comedy almost, yeah. Kind of, and it's Scarlett Johansson being like, oh my God, just give him the envelope. I just can't give him these papers. You give them. Yeah. But then, so it's this whole... And so then as soon as Adam Driver's character walks through the door and is like, hey guys, here I am. Where's my little buddy falls kid? falls to shit. <laughs> well, it creates this... I found it creates this... Yeah, it falls to shit, but it creates this sense of tension for me. Oh, yeah. Where for the, for the next two or three minutes, Adam Driver had no idea in that scene that he was going to be served these divorce papers. And he's been really friendly towards Scarlett Johansson, really friendly towards her mom and her friend and his kid and all that. And so he's being really friendly and funny and everyone's being kind of funny and wacky. And, and his sort of, family, her family really likes like him 
Yeah, but then I just found so it just but it meant for me that this this scene that was supposed to be really funny became really tense. I don't think it was necessarily meant to be really funny. It's like really, you know what I mean. Like it in was an interview, be- Baumbach says that he he wanted that scene to be a bit like there was a bomb under the table. And Adam Driver didn't know that there was a bomb under the table. Yeah, well, you, you sort know, of and feel it feels that. like that. Yeah, but, but it I is so, funny too. I sort of felt like the way that, like, they they put the papers on the on the bench, and the characters almost put, sort of like trying to dance around it to make sure he doesn't see it and that right. sort of shit. Like, I just sort of felt like it was trying to ham it up a bit in a way that I couldn't enjoy at all because of how tense I was. I was feeling yeah. so bad for him. It's like, yeah, bro, yeah, it's about to explode at any moment, and you're gonna feel so bad about this fun energy you've walked in this yeah. room with. Um, but then as soon as he gets told and he gets given the papers when you think it's about to blow up, all attention's broken and it's almost the most it's almost the sweetest like moment in the film where she kind of feels bad for giving them to him and is giving them this sincere advice as a friend about like, Oh, you should get a lawyer and sorry yeah. and all that sort of stuff and then they go off and like hang out with the kid. Yeah. And I felt like that was the most pure, fun, heartwarming part of that scene was after he gets given these papers which is what you're so tense and worried about oh really I, no, this, this from weird that moment switch bit I thought was interesting because it sort of swapped the tones I thought I was supposed to get out of it was the opposite of what I ended up getting out yeah, of it I thought I, it was a fun I just felt swap. like he was they were both suppressing this like so you know right at the start when he gives her some notes about yeah. her acting and they're clearly like it's post you found out that they're going to split but um he just has this note about like, I think her crying on stage and she's like, I know you want me to, but I just can't and it feels wrong when I do it. So I'm not going to do it. And he's like, yeah, sure. I guess whatever. And then she's like, well, anyway, good night. And she walks away and just immediately breaks down into tears. Like as soon as she gets out of sight. Yeah. I felt like that scene where he was served the papers felt exactly the same because like as soon as he closes the door, like he closes the door and flicks off the light on his way out, which is <laughs> referencing that energy conscious thing from the start. And I didn't even get that. I just thought he was of, being a dick. No, no, no. He was. He always does it. Um, and like she's just standing there, but I in, in my head, like he obviously was just crying, like the devastated. The yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that was. I don't know. That was just what I what I took out of the scene. It's that interesting was my that we're getting pretty. In the whole film. Uh uh, yeah, okay, interesting. That sequence. Just just, just all the I emotions. I think I hated that so much. I loved it. Just <laughs> all the emotions under the surface. Like, I loved that if it was just supposed to be this joke farcical thing with them dancing around the letters on the table, I would have hated it. Yeah. But the fact that I knew that there was this slice of tension that was undercutting everything made me enjoy that scene on like such a... That's what I hated about it, though. Because oh, I, I was it. like, stop fucking around. Just, like, yeah. you're over-engineering everything. It's going to... Oh, yeah. Oh, I, thought, I just I, felt no, terrible for both. Yeah. I mean, like, I thought it was really, really, really clever and well-made and put together, but I was so viscerally uncomfortable. Yeah. Which was like... For the whole time. It was like a relief when he finally is like, what's this? And they're like, oh, okay, fine. Thank, thank fuck. Yeah, you're like, it's just happening. Actually, he captured that moment like i think there's sometimes when you're when you're having an argument with someone or you know that you need to bring something up or you know you need to admit that you've done something wrong and you're just sitting there like stewing in it (laughs) but you don't you know that the other person doesn't know like maybe they can sort of tell that something's wrong but it's before that that before the surface is broken yeah right and you just start to feel almost like when he says like i'm in a dream i i find like i don't know maybe it's anxiety or the adrenaline that you get from that but you start to feel like lightheaded and kind of like uh like that was a great line. dissociative and yeah he, re- really 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 sort clever. of phased out and was like i 
feel like I'm in a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that is how it feels. It feels surreal. Um, and I thought that, that the way that they handled almost that, that, that like plunge of like, well, he knows now, now it started. That was the, that was the bandaid moment. Yeah. Now you just got to deal with the consequences was really, uh, that was something that I empathize with a lot. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of him sort of being on the back foot for the rest of the, for the rest of the movie though. Like mm. from like her having gotten this great glamorous lawyer to him getting this like shitty lawyer. And I think that's what made me sympathetic towards him most of all. Yeah. Was well, how constantly on the, on the back foot he was yeah, about well, the whole well, thing. I feel like that's, that's where it gets you. Right. So like you sort of feel angry at her and bad for him because you're like, well, he's, he's fucked and he's on the, he's got to sort of catch up all this lost ground. Yeah. And then the more that, they sort of the lawyers start to articulate the arguments to each other. The more you're like, oh, actually, she's kind of got a point. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah, the yeah. more she goes more and more hard ass with it, the more you're like, oh, well, maybe maybe she's going a bit far, and I feel bad. I, I feel better for Adam now because yeah. I wish you'd give him a break. Like, there's literally this scene where he goes a little while later. So we're in spoilers now. Fuck it. Yeah, there's a scene like months later, or maybe it's a year after they've been separated, where like um, they go to Halloween, and it's like. Scarlett uh, Johansson. I think it's that long. Well, th- they were dressing up. I, th- I thought it was again. Yeah. So it's, it's like Scarlett Johansson and the kid and their LA friends. Oh, is this the next Halloween? Yeah. The uh, Sergeant Pepper's one? Yeah, they're, yeah, all, sure. they're all dressed Sorry. up as the Beatles from the Sergeant yeah, Pepper's yeah. cover. And he's literally a ghost in a in sheet behind them. <laughs> yeah. So he's, <laughs> he's completely covered in a bed sheet and they've got this elaborate Beatles costume that hasn't included him With as well. With like Scarlett Johansson's new squeeze as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I felt Feels like, terrible. oh, come on. Yeah. Like, don't make him dress up as the fucking ghost. <laughs> yeah. That was really bad. Yeah. But like, and I think one of the interesting things that makes you, that complicates that source of sympathy for both characters is that she is the one who like, it's, it's I think it's exemplified in that moment where she walks away and cries, but not in front of him because she will not show her emotion in front of him. Yeah. But that he is the one who's pitched as being like the emotionally intelligent one and the one that kind of is always much more like level headed and wears his heart on his sleeve. But she's and she that makes her seem very cold. And I also think Scarlett Johansson, as an actress, in my opinion, is very cold. I feel like she's always she can be like she can act warm towards people, but I feel like she's always really reserved. And yeah. we we rarely get like genuine warmth from her. It feels like warmth that's allowed to come through when she lets it through, but then is very not forthcoming with it. Well, we haven't played this episode yet, but when we talk about Jojo Rabbit, I feel the same way about her performance in that. I thought that she. Oh no! I thought that and when in, she was expressing affection for her kid in Jojo Rabbit, I thought that felt warm. I, I just think it's a personality thing that I'm reading into her as a like a, as an as an actress, not necessarily like as a or as an actor, not necessarily as a perform any performance of a single character. But I, she's I, feel, I thought it worked in this. But my point is that he uh, he's the one that's pitched. She's being pitched as like cold and emotionally withdrawn, and he's being pitched as like emotionally intelligent and. Um, level-headed and then when they have the big argument scene it basically just explodes and she's like you never loved me and they're saying all this shit is patently not true like well i mean yelling and screaming all this part, stuff like it's I've, partly true like yeah. y- y- there, there's that's the thing that really hurts about it is that you know it's exaggerated but you know there's a grain of truth to it of like yeah. you never actually wanted to get married with me you wanted to be with other people and you wanted to do other things and like that, it, it's so upsetting because you you went with it anyway, and you weren't really honest with me, and you weren't emotionally available, and yeah, like, and then her being like, or him being like, you know, you like, there was no intimacy there for like uh, the last year that we were together, 
And there's it's like there's that emotional reservation, but that he was the one that initially cheated on her and had like the spoiler alert again, yeah. had like the low emotional uh the the had low enough empathy to be able to betray her like that. Well, he also seems to have been betrayed as having a low enough empathy to not realise the effect he's having on his wife right. by not caring about what she wants to do with So there's her sort of these these conflicting or like not really conflicting but sort of um there's this antagonism between their personality traits yeah. and their the actions that they've displayed yeah. where like he's portrayed as being emotionally available and reasonable and rational and level-headed but then his actions have never taken her into account and they are always really they always make decisions that are that benefit him and that it feels like he doesn't even realize that she is her own person and so that's like quite low empathy and then with her it's like she sort of yeah yeah it's it's again the, you know the opposite where like she has wanted to she wanted to pursue her career but she was the one that wanted a family initially and yeah. th- and was sort of the one that experienced the breakdown first well so that's it's, it reminded me when we were talking earlier that's what kind of makes me think about this screenplay because i think the way it's constructed is really good yeah, in it's the way very it clever. juggles the way it reveals these different character traits and sort of shows scene to scene and makes you change the way you feel about these people in mm. the same ways I imagine they're trying to deal with the way they feel about each other. Um, but I think that sometimes scene to scene, and maybe this is just a personal thing, um, I found that some of the dialogue was a little bit too snappy and a bit too articulate. Specifically, there's this uh, Scarlett Johansson monologue scene where she's talking about how she fell in love with Charlie in the lawyer's office, the first time she meets the lawyer, and it's this long scene. Um, Or I felt like I could almost see Scarlett Johansson acting. Right. If you know what I mean. Like, she would do this thing where she'd look off into the distance and sort of go, and I remember... (laughs) I remember his little smile. I kind of thought she was. Like, I kind of thought she was acting. In a way, it was like her yeah. slipping into this familiar routine of like, she's been over this story so many times in her head. I don't think she's like, I think she did a really good job in this film. I don't think she's the best actor in the world, but I felt like the reason why that was bleeding through was because like, I mean, the character is an actor, right? Like I've heard people praise that scene though as like a really great, an example of great writing. And I just think that, I don't know whether it wasn't the performance that sold it, or whether it was the writing itself, but I feel like there were just there were some moments where, like in the moment, these cat like she would just drop a little nugget of wisdom in the middle of a sort of spare of the moment, sort it, of trying it, to get a train of thought. It does together feel on. very much like yeah, and you know you never really know about these things, I guess. But and like it's that yeah, you're yeah, right. It's no those, one like, would maxims. say yeah exactly, and it's it's all these sort of, like yeah perfectly fully constructed sentences right. that she's spitting out. It's like well, I don't. I don't really feel like I would say that. Maybe it's just that these people are smarter than I am. <laughs> but uh, they were just. But it doesn't feel very natural. No, it right? doesn't. And so then, I I read that as intentional, but I could, I totally understand why you would feel like that just yeah. broke you out of it. Well, so because there there are, there are heaps of scenes in this where I feel like it's not going for an air of realism. It's sort of going for like hundred and ten percent. Like the lawyers, right. like Ray Liotta's character as a lawyer is almost wacky and bombastic and crazy in the way he acts with Adam Driver and the lawyers. Like, no one acts like that. It's a comic relief. And in the same way, I think to the other degree, like the degree to which Laura Dern's character un- seems to be trying to undermine everyone deliberately right. um, is kind of wacky. Like the way in which uh, her, her assistant interrupts Adam 
to order sandwiches for everyone <laughs> and like how her it's off- fucking infuriating yeah <laughs> and like how her office her office is just that much nicer than everyone else's and she talks yeah. about the amazing tea she's got just, just little little ticks where I thought well a lot of this movie is realistic but a lot of it really isn't and I wasn't really sure where they were going for and that brings me back to that argument scene where it seems like they're saying all this horrible shit to each other. Like he says, like there's not a day goes by that I never wish that you would f- that, I, that that I didn't wish that you would fucking die. Yeah, um, and shit like that. Where like it's, uh, people say that, but just I feel like it fitted in with the rest of the tone of the movie that it had established. Where it got to that point, I didn't. I no longer cared about how realistic all the the writing was, and I feel like it had I sort of warmed to it by that point. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I I thought. Um, did you sort of get what I meant earlier on? Or did you feel what I felt earlier on with like the the writing feeling a little bit non natural? It wasn't as bad as like an Aaron Sorkin script, but it was like a little bit like that. I understand exactly why you're saying that. I think I just am giving the like in a rare rare moment giving <laughs> the giving the writer and the direction a little more credit and yeah. thinking like I think the fact that these people. So I think two two things. One, she's an actor. As a character, she's an actor. <laughs> and so, like, that that layer of um, seeming false and having the, the the lines be a little over-constructed and, like, hyper-thought out, I read as, like, she's been through this in her head a lot and she's almost, like, prepared this story to tell people and she's just running through the dialogue. Yeah, I suppose You know so. what I mean? Which, like, maybe uh, isn't legit, but I think if if you were then not convinced by that, that's succeeding at doing what it might have been trying to do. I don't yeah, know. I suppose so. The dialogue but the, was... A- but the other thing about the lawyers is I read them as being like the fact that the lawyers are in their own right like performances, right? Like the, the lawyer... Gives the, his opening statement and convinces yeah, the court and, and, and it's all very that. theatrical yeah. in a way. Like their job is to convince people of something yeah. regardless of whether or not it's actually true, which is why they exaggerate tiny little details and everything. Like it's a different type of performative. So yeah. I, I kind of saw that as being it's all it's about maintaining that veneer of like overconfidence and, and whatever. So I, I didn't that didn't bug me either. Um and then I guess I just had that feeling consistently the whole way through but i don't know i i the the fact that that realism of like uh, in the in the argument scene which i think is like it's the one of the scenes is being talked about the most about this film full stop and i think it's maybe the major scene in the film yeah well noah baumbach definitely said in every interview i watched with him that he it was the, the one of the most challenging scenes he's ever shot Right. One of the most rewarding scenes he feels like in terms of the payoff for all the effort they put in. He yeah, says yeah, yeah. that they, they did they shot the hardest it over, direction that he's ever had yeah. to give. He yeah. says they shot it over like two days and mm. I think you were saying you found somewhere they did like fifty takes, but it was they yeah, were saying it was a, shot on thirty five mil film. The whole film was, yeah. Yeah. And, and and apparently like it would basically be because it was like a ten minute take, it would basically be like, Okay, that's that's a real get another one. Yeah. We'll start again. Yeah. They just okay. did it over and over again. And apparently the way that so it's 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 Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver uh, having this argument that sort of gets more and more heated and they start shouting and they start really yelling and they're screaming at each other mm. and it ends with like uh, Adam Driver on on the floor in a ball in tears um, and so it's this huge emotional arc and apparently the actors understandably had quite a amount of difficulty sort of getting into that zone and yeah he was saying you can't just say like okay start at the bit where you're screaming yeah <laughs> you have to like have a runway to it of yeah. the rest of the scene yeah, yeah. I, I found that really interesting him describing there as being there's being a, 
a large amount of runway in yeah. the scene to get to the bit where they're screaming. Exactly. And so they had to do loads of takes because there's multiple shots in the or whatever. Mm. So if they it's wanted to get a all sh- one cut, but it's yeah. a lot of one cut. And so yeah. if they wanted to get to the bit in the in the middle to get another shot of that, they'd be like, right, we're going to have to do the whole scene up until minute seven because that's where I wanted to get another little shot here. And so he said it was. There was an example he said of a scene that was very, very structured from a cinematographic point of view, but you get left with a very natural feeling scene. Yeah. So he said, like, for example, he constructed that scene where every single word on paper is written exactly as it is in the movie yep. to the point where the mo- when where like word for word it says, well, Scarlett Johansson's going to start talking over Adam when she starts with this line. So right. when, Adam says, Go- when Adam says, chair. That's going to be the, the the word that Scarlett Johansson starts her a little bit from, right. and so where they interrupt each other is scripted, and then by the time they've done all their rehearsals and they get to the set, they're very exactly blocked out. Like who's going to stand up, who's going to sit down, who's going to be moving around this way. Uh, Adam punches the wall. There's a very specific word he had to punch the wall on. Right. Um, apparently, to make it easier to cut. Because there are these big long monologues to make it right, easier to you, cut. You also have to be able to cut uh, for continuity purposes. You have to be able to cut if you're going to cut in a scene that's extremely highly tense. You have to choose moments where characters are okay with them doing things that you can cut on. Yeah. Or else it comes across as really weird. So when like you edit it. You cut someone standing up. So you, you film someone standing up, and then you move the camera and film yeah. sort of standing up again, and you can cut them halfway through them standing up. For example. Yeah. But so it just meant that he he said like in this scene that was supposed to be very natural and a very sort of a very natural uh, ascent in the intensity of this argument. He had to very, very carefully construct like, all right, so you're going to gesture with your left hand here. And Scarlett, you're going to stomp your foot there. Charlie, you're going to sit down here. You're going to hit the wall here. And say, so I found that really interesting. The it way is in which interesting. The way in which... Oh, <laughs> the way in which he was talking about how you cut together a scene like that and little details that you'd never think about that leave you with something that you've... Don't even notice how much thought's been put into it. I was thinking they were moving around a lot, and I was thinking of the poor dude pulling focus. <laughs> like that guy is wiping sweat off his brow every <laughs> fucking take. Because like, imagine if Adam Driver nails it, right? Or like Scarlett Johansson yeah. just tweaks her performance in a they're way like, where no, they're sorry, like, "That's you perfect," and you're like, "Oh, c- sorry, can I just get a focus check on that last <laughs> one?" And then like they check, and it's like, "Oh, sorry, it's slightly just, she's just a little out of focus." <laughs> I'm surprised that that was a performance making a a career making performance and the fucking focus puller didn't do his job properly and you're just like well it's unusable garbage now isn't it (laughs) god Um, I don't know how much more you can waffle on another interesting fact I found during my little uh, fact finding mission over the last couple days was um, Noah Baumbach says that he works with his editor from the very beginning of the movie making the draft scripts yeah that is he says he gives his editor his very first drafts, and she edits the film as With, if she uh, would, on the script. but on the script. That's cool. And then she comes along to all the rehearsals, and she comes along to the shooting days and looks at the dailies with him, yep. so that... And the cutting out stuff, he said, for one, it's great because it means that if there's something that she says, well, already I can say I would edit that out. They don't have to shoot it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then for another thing, like, yeah, there's there's no point shooting it and then cutting it straight away. So he gets that out of the way. And so he says, again, though, by by the time you get into the editing room and they're sitting there together editing the movie. You all know. They're on the same page. They both agree with each other and they understand why they're going to be making the decisions they're going to make. And I thought, man, that makes a lot of sense. That sounds really clever. I don't know if that's the way all people work. No, a lot of the time. No, I think. 
think a lot of the time the editor is brought on like during maybe like not a lot of the time, but I think it wouldn't be particularly uncommon for the editor yeah. to, be, to be brought on like at the tail end of pre-production. So they don't really know. They've not seen the script until it's finalized and that type yeah. of stuff. And then they've been just being sent the dailies and that's what they're starting. You know, they start their job and they're being sent the dailies. Yeah, right. Well, so he said like this editor, because of the process, like they're friends and the pro- because right. of the process they've established, he says like, I would wait for her to be available to do a film. Right, that's cool. Which yeah, is cool yeah, about yeah. an editor, which is, I don't know. I don't know enough Man, about that side of the, side of the heroes, process. I think. Well, I think famously Star Wars was saved in the edit by... Um, There's a lot of fucking movies, yeah. Apparently, the, apparently the lady that edited that just like made it from this like big ball of garbage to like a, a classic movie. There was like this whole sequence on Tatooine, I think, in the Star Wars movie where Luke is like hanging out with his buddies. I think and I so feel like we scene, talked about this. We, uh, maybe we did. There's, there's a scene later on in Star Wars when they're getting on all the X wings where he's like, "Hey, Red." Nice to see you again. And you're like, again? <laughs> so, yeah, because yeah. there was a big 20-minute scene with him hanging out with his buddies that had the same thing. Uh, I love Another thing that we didn't talk about enough is how funny um, uh, how funny Marriage Story is. There's loads of dumb little gags that are right up my alley that almost reminded me of Nice Guys, as we, I was saying yeah, before. Yeah, we, we touched on it. This I is, didn't find it as funny as you, but yeah. Sequence, what, did you, what did you love? Well, I, I, my, my favorite comedic sequence probably was the... Uh, after they have their court scene, um, they decide that the court says that they have to have a, a relationship assessor. Uh, yeah, an evaluator, them, I think. An evaluator, yeah. watch them be with the kid. So Adam Driver has to be like, hey, Henry, um, there's going to be a lady coming over. She's going to watch us have dinner. Yeah. And, and just he's watch like, us talk. Why? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? Um, so then this relationship assessor, they just he's written in so many dumb little jokes. Like, yep. she rings the doorbell to the wrong apartment so when he opens the door and there's no one there he has to stick and out he his like, head and he's like taking breath and like theatrically yeah. <laughs> theatrically like, like pulls the door open ready to be like hi welcome to my home and he opens it and there's just no one there <laughs> and she's standing expectantly in front of the next door over yeah um, she gets a glass of water and is like thank you for my water and it's, then finishes with the <laughs> I, before she's left she's like I'm done with my water she is perfectly fucking weird so like, weird she's just so so weird like there's there's a lot of Adam Driver trying to trying to impress her and trying to be friendly be like hey you know that thing when you're at home and you do this and she'll just be like no no no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like constantly battling just, to battling against this idea that like LA is this wonderful place to live because he doesn't really like the things about it and everyone keeps talking about the space. Yeah. And then like one of the last things that happens is him saying like you know, we don't really I wouldn't like raise a kid here. I'd want to raise a kid in New York or something like that. And she says like why? And talks about the space and it's like it's just this like oh you have to convince this woman and she's just like off everyone's off your side yeah. about LA <laughs> you know oh, I love like, him con- like that whole scene was like him constantly and f- consistently failing to match her energy yeah which <laughs> is like but he was so much higher above yeah. and she's like weirdly she comes across as like a dumbass initially <laughs> but then like She's very perceptive in a in a way that's quite scary. Yeah, it was really that, yeah. that was great. But there's all sorts of different scenes that I think are, um, yeah, just hilarious in this film in, in a wacky way. I love I love Ray Liotta as the lawyer. Yeah, um, with all his like, I, I love that. Like the first thing he did was like scream about how much money he makes. And yeah, about, yeah, like, yeah. If you ask your dumbass questions, give it to the four hundred dollar. It's very day. funny. Yeah. 
I was just looking up. I, I thought I recognized the um the evaluator from somewhere, but I don't think I do. No, she, just but she nightmares. was she was really good. She basically just sat there like staring. I think that was most of her role. But just this deadpan delivery was wonderful. It was great. Uh, I think that's probably all we've got on Myowitz. Not Myowitz stories. Definitely all we got on Myowitz stories. I don't know if I got <laughs> anything else on Marriage Story though. No, I mean I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. We've talked about. We didn't talk about the score. Right, the, so the score was done by, not Danny Elfman, Randy Newman. Randy Newman. Who, I it, I heard the first piece of music in this film, and I was like, this is the guy that did Toy Story. And it was. I, I thought so as well. <laughs> it's exactly it, the Toy Story soundtrack. I thought, like, man, this reminds me of a Pixar movie. Yeah. And um, there was a wanky Fucking little film studies detail. friend de- made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a wanky little film studies detail that I didn't really notice where they reckoned that the score was composed to be reacting to what's on screen rather than accompanying what's on screen. I didn't quite get that. I, that I seems found like a split second difference type thing. I found it generally kicked up after the action had happened. It I was s- mostly like a reactive score. So like you're with <laughs> the character while... Like I suppose it's, it kicks into gear when Scarlett Johansson walks away and bursts into tears. Exactly. It's, it's that type of timing where it's not happening during the scene. It's happening in the fallout of the yeah. scene. And I, I thought the score was really lush and really, really full, but it sounded quite cheesy. I, I think, think it was maybe my least favorite thing about the entire movie. I think it was, it felt really out of place. Like because, forced? Yes. I think sometimes. Because yeah. it did feel like a Toy Story score, but this was a very realistic and believable film. So I just felt like every time I heard that like tinkling fucking piano, it's like shut up, Randy Newman. Like, you're making me remember this is a movie. Yeah, yeah, maybe I I definitely noticed it a lot. And yeah, maybe which that I was, think is bad. Uh, yeah, I, I I liked it. There were some points where I think it really worked, and some points where I feel like I was focusing too much on the music to sort of even really think about what was. Like how it was working in the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose if we try yeah. and go through our checklist, um, I think we've sort of done the score. We've done the screen, the screenplay a bit. I think that a lot of we sort of mentioned it before. I think a lot of what I enjoyed about the camera work and the cinematography was the colors and the different composition in that respect, rather than any specific shots that well, I thought were very it, impressive. It had very like like I said, very subdued and uh, kind of neutral. Um, cinematography not in like it, it you know it, it did a really good job of like set design and like you were saying like color and and that type of well, thing but he, in terms of like the framing of the shots or like lens choice and that type of thing it well was he said very specifically vanilla. he thought he thought very exactly about when the camera was going to move for example right right and that comes across but i think it comes across to um this was probably something it, this felt like textbook cinematography like if you want your character to be showcasing this then do this yeah you know what i mean well so he said for example there were a few moments where he would like like you say kind of like break his own rules but for the most part he was not letting the cinematography get in the way of the storytelling and i think that when he did break so the the rule specifically he mentioned in an interview we watched just before we recorded because we watched interviews i don't know if we mentioned it did we um is that um he said that the camera only moves when it's following one of the main characters that is moving. Yeah. The camera is not they call like, that being motivated. Yeah. The camera is not like uh, wandering around. Like it, it's not like floating around the scene while it's happening. Like would happen in Birdman. all sorts of yeah, Birdman. I suppose. I, I think Joker does that as well. There's lots of like wandering cameras that sort of float around as a scene is happening. If there's two seated characters, it doesn't do right. that. It's only moving. If Scarlett Hansen gets up and walks across the room, then the camera will follow her. But otherwise, it'll just remain fixed. Mm. But there's two scenes specifically where the camera 
is on a dolly and is swinging around and zooming, but it really adds a lot of emphasis to those scenes and it sort of gives it this weird feeling that you can't quite put your finger on. The, yeah. other, the other one is when Adam, Sa- uh, Adam Sandler, fuck. The other one is when, um, it's this really weird, it highlights the scene where you're like, is that Adam Sandler? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good shit. Like, it's just... Adam Driver's character, but it's Adam Sandler for an entire scene. I want that'd be great. I want Adam Sandler to just be like a background extra. There's never been a day where you I didn't <laughs> wish that you died. This <laughs> <laughs> is Billy Madison character. <laughs> Fuck I, yeah. I want Adam Sandler to just play weird background extras. You'd be like, was that Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler? Like, yeah. selling newspapers three streets away? Yeah. In that He's movie? just like at the car at the lights yeah. as they walk past. <laughs> yeah. What's the point? It's like. Maybe Adam Sandler was just there. I think he just invented a cameo. No, no, but like real life Adam Sandler. As if Adam Sandler yeah. is, a, is a real person in these movies. Yeah, I know. Be great. That's a cameo. Where like the director was like the guy putting up the poster in that window or something. It'd be like a Marvel Cinematic That was universe. the original cameo. And then cameos became like Stan Lee's bit where it's like, no, you get to deliver a line. Like, fuck off. That's not a cameo. <laughs> a cameo is like an Easter egg that only like fucking heads of the movie should know about. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. who've watched it like 50 times, they're like, fucking pause it. Look, look at this frame. Look, I was, I that's, was watching, that's yeah. him. I was watching some Hitchcock movie yeah. um, ages ago and I heard somewhere that he's always in his movies and I watched the whole thing and didn't see it and yeah exactly and he, he, as he's it like, fucking should be it's 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 a scene that's a bit like rear window where you can see apartments like across the other side of the street and, and he's it's probably like, standing there yeah. if you look in the apartment across the street while this scene is happening he's standing in the apartment across the street yeah so right <laughs> yeah but it's directing the shot it's for him right <laughs> it's not yeah he's just like left his first day so he's like i'm gonna go stand another window over here yeah um that's what I think cameos fucking should be. None of the Stanley bullshit. You yeah. don't get to make. You don't get to deliver a line. Yeah. It's just it always breaks me out of the movie. So I like the idea of like being able to pause it and be like, "Huh, it is fucking Paul Rudd, <laughs> at, who's like collecting change on the street corner there or whatever." But yeah, yeah you don't notice um, it unless someone points it out. I suppose what we were getting at with this, though, is you don't notice the cinematography that much either, mm. unless there's a couple little scenes where he deliberately changes up the style of it completely, right. and that gives this air of sort of magic almost to those scenes where it really sort of draws you in. When he was talking about that, I was interested because both of the scenes that we're talking about, I think the main camera movement that is not motivated by the actual movement of the characters is that it just zooms in. That's all it is. And yeah. I was literally like... Oh, it's just fucking zooming. It's not like it. It's, it doesn't Birdman off and like rove into the sky or anything. He no. just he's just like yeah. In two scenes, we did a slow zoom. Yeah, like all good right. on, good I on mean, you, mate. Yeah, I guess I like it made a big th- difference. I like that he's thought about it. I thought that that scene with the singing was great. Where he yeah. being alive. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that both scenes were like both of those two scenes were were fantastic. Th- those I are thought from the, the same more musical? impressive scene. Yeah, and they're both also about like. Leaving yeah. a person behind, well, and, and that musical was a Stephen Sondheim musical from the early seventies, and it was apparently well known for being one of the first musicals to deal with like adult themes about like being depressed Actually, about like relationships and stuff. And, shit. and then yeah. apparently they had as 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 mates, Adam and Noah, were just obsessed with that musical. Right. And were like, well, shouldn't we like figure out where to get that song in there? Right, oh. that's cool. And so they did, and then like mirrored one with Scarlett Johansson singing another song from the same musical. I uh, my favorite scene was Adam Driver reading the letter to his kid that she wrote at the start. Oh, that was really that good. That was fucking heartbreaking. No, you're right. And, like, if you just watch... I went back and watched his performance in that. I mean, like, Scarlett Johansson has great performances throughout the whole film as well. Yeah. But for me, the moment that I was most impressed by was when he chokes up right at the end of reading that. Yeah, no, that, was, that was great. Because right. he, they don't cut, and he's, like... 
he's just talking with his kid and he makes this like throwaway joke where he's like making a little joke to himself and he kind of has this like <laughs> moment. Um, yeah. In the same take as he like audibly chokes up and like has to blink away tears. Yeah. I was, yeah, extremely impressed by that reading. I've, that was really heartfelt. And also just the writing of like the idea that it's a culmination of like his kid reading, which is something that they've struggled with the whole time. You do actually get the emotional payoff of getting to hear what she wrote about you. He it's never heard it. It's bittersweet because, and she'd never heard his and doesn't, I think. But um, it's bittersweet because like that is the emotion that she's been suppressing for the whole film. And so it's kind of heartbreaking because he, he, is left with the knowledge that like she actually really did care about him. Yeah. She loved the fucking shit out of him. Especially since you go through this whole movie of watching this relationship destroy itself. Where she's very cold and And it says like I hate you and he says I wish you were dead and all this stuff. So for him to be able to read that, yeah, it's she just wants to move on. It's kind of heartbreaking. Right. And he starts, I think he starts to think like, did she ever actually care about me? And it's like the answer is obviously yes. Yeah. But you start to have no proof and that was proof. Um, yeah. I really liked that scene. I think that was my favorite scene. I think it was good. Did you think it was necessary to have her watching over her shoulder, the, watching over their shoulder for the last bit? Like, I'm here too. I'm cool with you reading my shit. I didn't really, because we never, I would have hated it if she had like come in and given him a hug, but she just doesn't. Like, they just don't talk yeah. about it. Um, I was okay with it for that reason, because we get the payoff of her seeing his reaction and clearly being upset by it. <laughs> um and the the payoff is in like it it's that is the that first marriage counseling scene actually yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah, right. Right, no, yeah, but, okay. And that's why I liked it. But I think if it had gone any deeper than that on like the it's nice to know that you actually loved me and she's like, Yeah, of course I actually loved you. Did you actually love me? And he was like, Yes, I actually loved you. I would have it would have ruined the end of the movie for me. <laughs> no, you're right, yeah. Um, um and um, I, I liked the way that, that the ending kind of um, yeah, good news, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Um, and I like I liked the way that the ending kind of faded away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like as soon as it ended, I was like, no, 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 no. I could I could have right. watched I could have watched it for another hour. And I she thought. just ties up his shoe and then walks away. And it's like it's not like um, you know she doesn't turn her back and have to like cry. She just sort of like brusk- brusquely crosses the street because she's on the road. And he's carrying yeah. the kid away, and that's it. She just yeah. did him a favor. She's civilly tied up his shoe. That's it. You know, yeah. It was like hard, it, hard to watch also because you're like, yeah, I guess it kind of is over. It's nice that there's not like the same bullshit again. But like, God, it's not exactly happy, is it? <laughs> yeah, it leaves you, know? you this weird, bittersweet feeling. I really enjoyed this film overall, though. Yeah, I think this I is think- a welcome back from spoilers at this point. Yeah, and the fact that we've talked about it for so... Like, we've been able to look at so many different aspects of this film. I think this is a really... It's not, like, my favourite movie, but I think it's a really fucking good movie. I liked it a lot. Like, not just the storyline. It's extremely well made. Mm. It's a it's an actor's movie, so, like, you get to see Johansson and Driver, like, really fucking give their all in these performances. Yeah. Um, in a theatrical sense where, like, I'm sure... I, I was reading a lot of criticism of, like, theatre people being like, 
you know, theater people have to do what you're praising them for every fucking time they go on stage. Yeah. <laughs> just like, they just can't, they don't get another run at it. Like, yeah, you don't yeah. get another run with a fucking live audience there, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think there were definitely scenes as I was watching right, it that it's felt like impressive. a six out of 10 for me or whatever. Mm. But I, I liked the way, like, as I said, where I didn't like Laura Dern, I thought that Laura Dern's character felt a little unnatural. Right. I liked the way that that was deliberately supposed to tie into the way that Adam's lawyer was behaving later. Right. Um, so I, I like the way that it changed the way it, the later scenes changed the way I feel about earlier scenes and I like the way that the character progression is constantly moving and changing uh, one of the things I liked most was having a director that was able to intelligently and was given the opportunity to explain these different decisions he had right. I think that half of the fun I've had thinking about this movie later is thinking about all the little things that he's done that mm. he explained and I think there's it's a shame that a lot of interviews you don't get like that I'm sure a lot that of the interviews are dumb and I'm sure like, they exist but like for instance the interview that we drew a lot of our material from was like it had like 700 views yeah no one gives a shit I watched and I, ha- I watched like four or five interviews yeah. recently that were all 20 minute long Q and A's where a lot of them were dumb shit. Like, uh, um, so you've worked with Noah Baumbach before. What, uh, what do you like What's about something it? something funny that happened on set. Oh, or it's like, those are fine. If it's like, all right, fine. You just want to do some pop interview, whatever. But the yeah. interviews that annoy me the most are ones where they're trying to, they're trying to give insightful questions, but just aren't like, they'll be like, right. Well, what's some, um, yeah, they'll be like, "What's what's it like working with Noel Baumbach?" Or like, "So what what impressed you most about the script?" And they'll just be like, "Oh, it was well well written. I like <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Like, I like the way it was written. <laughs> uh, pretty pretty good script, I reckon. Yeah. It's, um, it, so I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed watching Noel Baumbach. I watched this interview with Lawrence Sher. It's like one of. The, I'll link you. Th- yeah, that's yeah. the that's the same one I was the talking about with like the thing, times yeah. lights, but he. It was actually a good answer to like, what's something funny that happened on set where he, he no one asked him, but he was just like, actually a funny story about uh, golden hour, which is like either when the sun is coming up in the sky and there's no shadows or it's going down in the sky and there's no shadows because the color of the light is really good. But like that scene on the steps where he dances in Joker, they filmed at that hour. And so you have like 20 minutes a day to get it right. It's like sunset almost. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's about sunset, but also like you get blue light coming through from the sky, which is really not doesn't happen at a lot of times a day. Yeah. And he was saying like, so you have twenty minutes every day to get it right, and if you don't get it right, you have to come back the next day and do it again, <laughs> and you've got twenty minutes. Yeah. And he said like one time they were filming that scene, and they had, it was like second take, like they had just started. And for some reason, they just started handing out tacos to the whole crew. He <laughs> was like, and I lost my mind because I was like, guys, 20 minutes. <laughs> Can we wait for the fucking tacos? <laughs> it's really funny. But like, I someone must have gotten fired over that shit. That's yeah. fucking funny. Like, and if I was a crew member, I feel like I'd be like, no, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> like no. All right. I guess they're coming back tomorrow. Yeah. Get the fuck away from me. Like, yeah, yeah it's funny. Anyway, um, out there is an interview. Good answer to that. That is Question. good. Um, I watch. I think I, I feel better and I feel like a soldier for having watched so many terrible interviews. Yeah, no, There is you, an interview out service. there where Alan Alda finishes the joke that he gets cut off in during that interview. Oh, right. You're going to have to go out there and find it, yeah. baby. Well, we, we, we might link it in the description or we ah, might not. Ah, fuck it. I earned that. Oh, uh, you reckon no. you're going to watch... <laughs> you reckon anyone else is going to watch five hours of interviews to try and find it? Sure, sure, definitely not on company time, that's yeah, for sure. I suppose. <laughs> um, which We're is the way to watch these interviews. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Definitely wouldn't know. <laughs> um, have we got any better than worse thans for this movie? I do. I've got a better than and a worse than. In my opinion, I liked this better than I liked uh, Meyerowitz stories. I agree. 
but it's a hair and you could catch me on a different day and maybe yeah. like in time I will prefer my with stories. I liked some aspect of it, um, but I thought this was a better movie overall. My uh, worse than, I think this is worse than Her, the Spike Jones film with Scarlett Johansson also and Joaquin Phoenix. I liked ah, her a lot more. That's a really interesting comparison. Mm. Thank you. Do you have an interesting comparison? <laughs> no. Right. Well. Um, I... Th- I definitely got a lot more of the warm romantic feelings from her a lot better than I did from this. Well, that, yeah. But and I her, feel like... Her spends the first half of the film building doing that, that up. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, that is, a really, that is a really good example. I think that... I can't think of a better... Uh, worse than... Off the top of my you head. You can't think of a better than my worse than? I can't think <laughs> of a worse than that's better than your worse than. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, Scarlett Johansson's in both. Uh, I thought you were going to be like, yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. I put a lot <laughs> of thought into it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't, actually. It sort of just popped into my head, fell from the sky. Must be a, nice. It was a good one, yeah. All right, there you go. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, our, um, there's our official You're welcome. beef station, better than worse than. What did we say? We said uh, fucking marriage story Mywitz. is better than the Mywitz stories, worse than her. Yep. It's her is not, a, such a good it's movie. It's a good movie. Though. It's still Jesus not the same... Christ. I will say this. They're not exactly the same movie, though, are they? I mean, <laughs> literally, no. Yeah, right. So, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, that'd be good. Uh, this was, like, better than um, that 2019 Noah Baumbach movie, <laughs> Marriage Story. But it was also worse than Noah Baumbach's 2019 drama, Marriage Story. <laughs> good shit. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, yeah, that's, that's all we got, I suppose. We're done. I hope you enjoy that movie. I hope that you watch it. I hope we've motivated you to watch it or that you have watched it. I hope your movements to watch it are motivated by our <laughs> actions on Mike. Next week, we are definitely 110%. By the way, David Fincher does that shit a lot. I was going to say, that's like David Fincher's <laughs> shtick is like micro camera movements mimicking a character's movements. He does a lot of like locked off, not moving shots. But then when a character like stands up suddenly, the camera will like mimic their movements perfectly. Really like puts that's you dumb. in on them. Yeah. That's dumb. I mean, it's dumb that it's like, oh, David Fincher moves the camera when a character moves. But (laughs) I was thinking about that a lot when Noah Baumbach was talking about it. And I'm interested to see like side-by-side comparisons on like whether or not they're really similar. I think Fincher generally probably has a more static camera style. But yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I want to get Noah Baumbach to film Flight Club and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't think it was the same cinematographer, but I was watching a heap of cinematography. Oh, same bloke, sorry. Yeah. I was listening to an interview with the cinematographer at Fight Club. Anyway. Fucking hell. Yeah. They've got an outlaw interview, so we got nothing to do next yeah, week. Yeah, All right, next <laughs> week we this. are that definitely doing Knives Out. 110%. Yeah. We're going to do Knives Out. If I if if I haven't watched Knives Out next Tuesday, Oscar is going to shoot me in the head. That's gonna, what's happening. I'm going to... Yeah. Yeah. Stab... Knives are going to be out if you haven't watched <laughs> Knives Out. That's all I'm saying. Oh, that's a better joke. Yeah, that's all right. right. Thanks for joining I'll, I'll us for another week. week. Follow us on the Facebook page, email us, it's all in the description. I'm Oscar. I picked up my pen. I'm Andrew. <laughs> See you later. Bye.